0: sell some of them. You're wasting all your time and money on models. Paint what you have.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Model Club TV episode 27. 27. Where's your fingers? You always do fingers. I two. Ah, oh, geez. Alright. As always, I'm Jason Walker. This is my lovely co-host, Scott Johansson. How are you, Scott? I am lovely. I'm great. You? Oh, I'm lovely as well. Uh, This episode, we are doing a 3D printing primer episode. Just a quick introduction of things. We have Jamie Scion with us, uh, 3D printer extraordinaire, former garage kit guy, still garage kit guy, sort of. And Todd Powell from Escape Hatch Hobbies to t- do some little 3D printing talk. uh, to Kind of alleviate some fears and just do some general discussion. How's that sound? Yeah, and we'll probably do a little bit, too. <laughs> I think so. Prior. so anyway uh, Who knows? let's start out with our giveaway are you we had some great ufo stories in the comments so we are going to pull for the ufo roswell alien tribute kit from paul gill and here we are <laughs> 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 brian clark
2: oh uh, your buddy no. brian
1: <laughs>
2: oh no
1: Ah, oh, my fellow teaching buddy. Brian Clark, you have won the Roswell. We'll get that out to you. Congratulations. Oh, no. Dude, he's going to kick your ass one day. It'll be a good fight, too. Well, he's it will be guy. a good fight. Because <laughs> it'll beat your ass. Anyway, so that's a good fight?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> a good fight like nobody really wins. Yeah, no. So I want to do something. I'd like you to do something for our good friend, Mr. Clark. Because okay. you have the piece. <laughs> um, if you could go upstairs and to your drawer and get enough tin foil to fit that big head of his <laughs> and uh so he can contact the mothership when he gets this and say they're on to us. Okay. <laughs>
1: so we'll do. Go. I will do that. Uh we have another giveaway this episode. Scott, would you like to introduce that giveaway? I i would. Um so my good friend Rob Madison, um uh, our good
3: friend Rob Madison. I was gonna say he's
1: mine too. Sometimes he's
3: mine more. Anyway um he was in uh, my area. He's got some relatives that live about 20 minutes from me. And so he came and spent Saturday afternoon with Jason and I at uh, my lovely abode here. And he brought us uh, some goodies. And one of the goodies he brought us to give away is it's a Patreon that I turned him onto, And we're going to have the information right here. Okay. And um, this guy gets five bucks a month me and now Rob, and you have access to all his files. And this is the same guy that did the stuff that Michigan Toy and Soldier was selling on their table at Wonderfest as well this year. And when I found this out, I was like, Hey, this is kind of sketchy what these guys are doing, until I read that this guy don't care if you print them <laughs> and sell them. He just don't want you to give away the files. So, anyway, so um one of the uh little kits he had, um and and because you know of course my love for the cartoon stuff uh he's got a whole set of wacky racers cars in there and so when rob saw that rob's like yeah i gotta join this guy's patreon and rob's been printing these up matchbox size and i'm gonna slowly bring these up here And so these are the slag brothers in the boulder mobile and i am sorry it's a little blurry Um, here's a picture of the built one that uh actually Rob gave me a built and painted one It's (laughs) up here with my other stuff. And um we're gonna give this away to anybody that wants
2: Slag Brothers. And um there you go. So So, we have
1: uh, a rule change. But
3: we do have a rule change.
1: We have a rule change. Um, uh... Because
3: we've we've actually had a lot of people bring it to our attention that a couple people have won more than once. (laughs) Yes. And um we want everybody you know to have a chance to win so we're gonna go what two drawings
1: yeah let's do that let's try that so
3: if you win brian clark haha um no i'm just kidding (laughs) from this point uh, forward so brian is our
1: first person
3: brian is our first cutoff guy but um yeah if you win we gotta wait a couple of weeks a couple of drawings before you win again. Let's give other people a chance. It's not we don't want to discourage anybody, but you know, we want everyone to feel like they're included. So yeah.
1: um so sit out two contests, two giveaways before you enter yeah. again. I again we appreciate everybody who's entered and um but we do yeah. want to give more people a chance. So right. And and again you. I wanna
3: thank Paul Gill, uh, Mark van Tyn for the uh alien. Absolutely, bust. And again, I'll say it again. Paul's been really supportive of what we do, and uh, I I appreciate it personally, and, uh, and so I know Jason does too.
1: So cool. That's our giveaway. So, uh, so what are we gotta do for this for this what? giveaway? I want you to in the comments down below comment your favorite cartoon of all time.
2: Which there brings us
1: to news and reviews, because we're gonna talk about cartoons. We are. Do your do your do 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 do. <laughs> Alright, yes. So news and reviews. I've actually had time to watch some things on the TV. And they were both cartoons. On the and, TV, huh? Not on, on the, the TV.
3: Not on the garage door. <laughs> <laughs> on the TV. I watched them
1: On the, the TV. TV. Um the first Thank was God. Godzilla's Singular Point, which is a Godzilla anime. This is the second Godzilla anime. I thought the first one was rather boring and I didn't much care for it. This I liked a lot and I don't think you'll like it. If if you don't like anime, you're not going to like it because it's very anime, but I think it's amazing and it's well worth the watch. I think it's like 13 episodes and they're about a half hour each. Um, they, it's kind of like a mix of Shin Godzilla and, A bunch of other godzillas um it should be called jet jaguar singular point (laughs) because it's more about jet jaguar than it is about godzilla and i love the jet jaguar design for this it's really really cool it's kind of clanky and they kind of downscale a lot of the monsters as well kind of an iron giant looking yeah it's cool it's the way they handle it's really really cool and the guy there's a guy inside piloting for part of it and then they i don't want to ruin any more of it but the the creature designs, they've redone everything for this. And there's a really cool story I think that goes with it. Um, well worth the watch. Check out Godzilla's Singular Point. It is a Netflix series. It's on there. Um really well done. I, I think some of the creatures are really cool and well and deserved models. So and I know I've seen some of the Godzilla out there, but I want a Jet Jaguar kit really, really, really bad. And he kind of goes through different stages in this, so there'd be cool customized customizing kits maybe for it or parts or something but call um, him jet <laughs> jag <I think laughs> jet jag short yeah, jet
3: jag JJ, jet jag jag yeah a... <laughs> he's a fucking jag <laughs> i was just jag. gonna okay. say
1: jag is the the quintessential chicago word such a jag um <laughs> but no check out godzilla singular point and the other cartoon i just finished it last night uh is the new masters of the universe revelations series on netflix and i know it's right it's me right here because masters universe was you know how scott loves his cartoons he man was my show when i was a kid and it was okay there were parts i really liked and other parts i was like what the like it just it's a way a lot it's a it's you know girl power which is a and i don't mean that in a horrible i hate women way i mean that in a great Shanna Worthing's going <laughs> to tear your fucking have picture off. everybody up. going after me again? Okay. After the dog thing yeah, we talk Shanna, about that Get later. him,
3: get him.
1: But it's like everything is right now, everything is redone to have the men kind of take a step back and they do this and this for part of it. Um it's worth it's worth watching. Check it out. I really don't like Mark Hamill as the voice of Skeletor. I I hate it to be honest. I I hate it because it just sounds like joker or it sounds like any other villain voice all right, right mark so hamill is done you're a luke skywalker woman dog hating okay i'm just you know make whatever. that list keep it going so yeah i think it's worth watching there's some cool things they do but that's it that's where we're at so on to other stuff news and reviews um Wonderfest's hotel booking is open I guess hmm. for reservations. So uh, that block is up. So if you want to book your room for Wonderfest, Scott, when is it? I totally forgot. Um, June fourth and fifth. Okay. Yeah, June fourth and fifth. Uh, check it out. Two thousand twenty-two. Get, yep. Get your book uh, at
3: the time of this recording, three hundred nine days, four hours, forty-five minutes, and fifty seconds.
1: I know you didn't do that math. That's the timer on the website. That's correct. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, and the next thing I found on the internet for me, I don't know, we'll get to yours in a second, is Killer Kids and Dave Nicholson. This goes right into what Skuz Fink was talking about. He kept saying, why aren't there any Jasons or 80s horror movies or any of that stuff? Killer Kids has a ton, it looks like, of really cool 80s slasher type stuff. And he has this new uh, Jason Voorhees coming out and check that out. I think it's really cool. He's got Evil Ed. He's got Leatherface. He's got Freddy, It, a bunch of really cool things. Phantasm we talked about before. Um, some cool pieces. Some really nice busts. So uh, again, Dave Nicholson, Killer Kits, check him out. Uh, and coming up after that, I wanted to share a buildup that was sent in. I've seen it online and it makes me angry every time I see it. Um, from David Stan of Stan Arts. And his lovely wife, Laura. Um, this is his Han Solo on Tauntaun painted. And we'll show, show more in the users gallery later on users, the viewers gallery later on. This thing is very, very well painted. I, I can't even, I don't even want to paint mine now because I know it's not going to look like that. And it it will bother me forever. So kudos to David for an amazing paint job. But the bigger reason I wanted to show this is
2: He's releasing a Luke
1: Skywalker. If you well, want to switch out. We yeah. just covered that. I don't hate, hate Luke Skywalker. I hate okay. Mark Hamill's voice. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Um, but he's going to have a Luke Skywalker switch it out available. If you wanted to do Luke instead of Han, you could do that. Um, so that's coming. He's also looking for uh, commission work. So if you need something painted, check out Stan Arts. And he's an amazing painter, amazing sculptor. And please check into him.
2: Scott, what you got? And they're good people. Oh, they're They're, awesome
1: people.
3: They're awesome people. Um, I'd like to get them to Wonderfest. I hope they can come to Wonderfest and uh, people can see some of his work because it's really nice. Scott, what you got? I have the latest release from Monsters from the Woods, John Deary, sculpted by Jeff Yeager, Boris Karloff as the mummy. And here's some photos of the sculpt from jeff and believe it or not i got mine today oh cool and um of course it never but it's nice size (laughs) i always forget how big quarter scale is till i get one yeah you know and the pictures actually will show it better but there's a scarab and you know on the base here a little bit and of course a great carloff likeness which jeff probably did while he was sleeping um (laughs) Believe it or not, of all the Karloff stuff that's out there, there's not a lot of mummy busts, I don't think um, that are of Karloff. So
1: there's a couple, I really not many. You're right.
3: There's a I I know Brokaw did one that was beautiful with a uh, pyramid base, yeah, and that they show at the beginning of the movie with the mummy on it. And that's like one of the favorite pieces I have. So if I find a picture, we'll put it up here, but. Um. So that's really all I've gotten. Yeah, it's been a slow month. I've lost my mind.
1: <laughs> 3D printing in the last few weeks. We'll get into that in about two seconds in the workbench. I have nothing else. I have I have not bought anything this month because I had nothing but bad stuff happen to my house that had to be fixed. So it's been fun since the last episode. Um, and that, like you said, brings us to
2: the workbench. Scott, you've been workbenching?
3: Sort of.
1: Yes. Do you have a picture of your workbench this time?
3: Here you go, right here.
1: Holy cow. And this
3: is a um this is a picture of the 3D printing area, printing wow. and curing area.
1: <laughs>
3: and uh I have to thank my co-host came over and helped me start to set it up. Note and to self, he you were over me
1: for something. Holy cow.
3: And while he was over, we didn't finish setting it up, but You were over Sunday, Saturday, and you got to see it kind of finished Mm -hmm. and organized, and, you know, I got a good little work area for doing this right now. Then you also got to see my temporary resin casting area clean for the first time, (laughs) and here's a shot of that. Okay. Um, Because we do have some small projects getting ready to go there that we've shown before and talked about. So I've been busy, and um, one of the things I'm doing is I'm casting every cool cartoon character I can find. Printing, not casting. <laughs> Printing, yes. Yeah. And here's a few of them. Foghorn Leghorn, Tasmanian Devil, Daffy Duck, Yosemite Sam, which I think I you showed yeah, last Yeah, I showed time. it
1: last time. So you are and, in and cartoon heaven.
3: I, I am in cartoon heaven. I just bought an STL file of, like, all the Looney Tunes characters on one thing, which is it's sixty-two pieces, so it's insane.
1: So, when will that be printed? I don't know. Let's put a time. In. We'll, we it, still have not finished our garage kits that we were supposed to do in this year. So no, you have three I, to go. You, I have two,
3: I, and I've got this little Tasmanian devil here, and, and I've got some better pictures of it. I think we'll put up here. But um, these things are so cool. I, I do. I want to just start sanding on them, primer them, and, yeah. and throw a quick bullshit paint job on them just to shut everybody up <laughs> so we'll see um 3d printing is oh and I'm, you know what else i did so we've mentioned tony cipriano's uh digital sculpting class many times mm-hmm. so i want to mention it again i don't know why cause it's tony and he's a great guy but uh in the sculpting class. You get start to finish, you watch him sculpt something in ZBrush digitally. And it's really cool. If you can stand to listen to him for 12 hours or so, it's really cool. But, oh, and kidding aside, Tony's (laughs) actually really easy to listen to and, and, you know, just really laid back. And uh, so I finished my last episode. And with the class, they include the STL file to... Um, print the piece that he's sculpting. So, because I didn't want to lay waste a lot of resin in this, <laughs> I did print the snow bears. Oh, can't, can't really make them out, but I did print them and it's a miniature. Look, it's a miniature. Yeah, that's cool. It's a miniature. And um, I told, I sent it to Tony and I said, Yeah, I didn't want to put a lot of resin into this thing, but I didn't realize it was going to be quite that small. But it came out okay for for printing it that small. So I'm sure it's a beautiful piece printed larger. But I told Tony, that's my diploma. I, I sat through <laughs> your classes, and hopefully that's my diploma. So I think we'll
1: the see. diploma would be sculpting it yourself and printing it, But
3: So, yeah, well, was it Rob telling us every time he sculpts something, he sends it to Tony and says, yeah, it doesn't look like a bear, but I'm trying, and it's he's not even trying to do a bear. He's just
1: yeah, silly. So,
3: so 3D printing. Yeah, how's it going silly. for you? Doing okay? Yes. It's a learning curve. And I think when we started last time, I don't know that I had even started yet, had I?
1: You were just putting supports on Yosemite Sam for the first thing. I think you had just done your rook.
3: Okay. Yes, because I believe I showed the rook, right? And uh for those of you that missed it, here is the rook. Oh boy. Okay. Which you know what? For some reason, I think it's a really (laughs) cool piece. And um I wish you could do a whole chess set
2: because it would be kind of cool.
3: I'll bet you can. Anyway, um, it's been, it's a learning curve. So it's not going to be for everybody. It's a learning curve for sure. And it requires some patience because you are going to have a lot of failures to start out with. And Jason and I will be happy to, Help anybody that wants to get into it. Um, there's also a gentleman who we're gonna have on today, Jamie Sai, who is also very helpful to us and more than willing to help other people as well. Uh, he's talked to Tony um as well. So I know he's helped Tony through some things. It, it's just it's a great, it, it's like a new outlet. It's like, you know, and I know you'll mention this when Jamie is on. It's like having Wonderfest every day at your house I'm getting a new model, okay, great, and it's subject matter that I don't generally see, yeah, I don't generally see these and just so everyone knows, so this is printed this this prints all in one piece, this particular one. I could have made this bigger if I wanted, you know, and eh. but I mean, I just look at that even at a garage kit that size, probably would have been twenty five bucks,
2: yeah.
3: And I pro so I paid fifteen for the file and maybe have five dollars worth of resin into the whole thing.
2: If that, yeah. So yeah. I
3: love it. Yeah. I love it. Now I know I'm gonna run out of things to buy unless people keep making things. (laughs) But and there's free things and stuff. And you know, again, I don't think this is just going to replace the garage kit hobby. So I don't want to alienate every garage kit producer that watches this, but there's a place for this. And we'll discuss it a little bit with Jamie at the end of his interview, I hope. Yeah, we did. We already recorded it. Yeah. But anyway, you know, uh, when we mentioned David Stan, how David incorporates 3D printing in his actual resin cast sculpting work. And t- and Todd Powell's going to talk
1: about it too. About and, and what Todd's going to
3: talk about it as well. How there's things that you just can't cast or are would be darn near impossible to cast, or you'd have to cast in a zillion pieces. And even something as simple as this, and I don't know if the camera's going to pick it up, but yeah, it is kind of see that tuft of hair between his eyes. But look at the undercut under there. Okay. Now you'd either have to make that tuft of hair a separate piece. Or you'd be going through silicone like crazy yeah. Um, on something like that. And, you know, that's just a small example. But where it will come in handy is, and you'll see me talk to Jamie about it, is the teeth on this particular kit. I could, in a couple hours, print 40 sets of teeth for this thing if this was something I was producing. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of um, unknowns, and there's a lot of questions. And I would like to get some producers on here and get their feelings about it. Todd obviously is a producer, and he gave us his feelings on it. And anybody, any producer that wants to come on and talk about it, and I I don't even care if you want to ream us and say you guys are nuts, whatever. Hey, we'll take it, okay? We'll debate it, whatever. But it's, we're not trying to alienate anyone. We're not trying to tell people don't buy garage kits. By all means, buy garage kits. And I think I say this
1: in part of the interview. I think it's going to make garage kits better. Yes. Just for the simple fact there's parts you can print that you can't cast. And if you can put those parts in with a kit, it's going to make those kits better. And you can get higher detail and better Mm -hmm. garage kits. Simple as that.
3: Well, if you could put that picture of David's Tauntaun up there again. I know like that little... Uh, handheld thing that Han Solo has in his hand there. That was all 3D printed, right?
1: Uh, that, I have to go back and look exactly what, there. yeah, his, the scanner thing was, and the parts uh, of the belt, the holster, I think are.
3: Right, the goggles, I know, were.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so I look at stuff
3: like that and go, I wouldn't want to cast that. Okay, even at the size it is, I wouldn't want to cast it. Yeah. So, there's so many positive uses for this. And again, dioramas, you know, finding everyday objects to put in dioramas.
1: It's, it's really going
3: to get interesting.
1: It's going to be cool. Um, as far as the workbench goes on my side, have you, wait, did you paint anything? You didn't paint anything, did you? No. Okay. Because um, I always have to ask you that.
3: Uh, I ended up, what when are you going to ask me when I do paint something? And I go, well,
1: yes, as a matter of fact, I can't wait. It'll be. <laughs> and the... I hold it up. Then what are you going to do? I'm going to pull the birthday hats out again.
3: <laughs> oh, great. Hats. Streamers. And...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Streamers. Um, what I've been working on. Here's my workbench pictures. Uh, I finished up my FM article, uh, which turned out OK. Submitted that. Uh, I'll wait and show a picture. Nah, maybe I'll show a picture here. Um, finish that and that writing the article ate up a ton of time editing so not a lot done in the last two weeks in terms of building i have printed a lot i finished a major giant print um for this big guy right here which is reinhardt from overwatch which brings me back to kind of what scott says scott said um this is a kit no one would ever produce nobody It's oh boy so this is just part of it it's 17 pieces and it's huge. And it would cost so much money to, to make
2: that no one would ever do it. because
1: No one would ever do it because there might be three of us that want it. Right. But that's the hammer that goes with the kit. And I printed this in pieces. It's huge. And I might, like I said, I might be the only one in all of garage kit land that wants a Reinhardt kit. I got one. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I don't have to wait for someone. It's, it's there. It's done. So that took a long time to print. And now I'm printing up a bunch of little things and going for there. So I want to get some painting done. That's so on I your work to workbench. What do you got there in your workbench? So on my workbench, still <laughs> the ghost of Castle Moray. We've been talking about it for a year. And then See, I, I don't want to hear it anymore. I have my sleeve stack from Rob and I have from Ed Bradley. I, uh, I'm i going to start painting his Cayman Rider versus Doris. So that's here that's ready to that's gonna get going on that so oh and and from blackheart i have a godzilla bust that i want to do so what did you get that i got the like g like two years ago i think Oh, Three years ago at fest maybe i think i got a g fest a couple years ago so that's does my that workbench count? does
3: counting painting something that's gonna take you like 10 minutes like that count as painting something
2: yes no problem
3: okay <laughs>
1: All right, let's, we'll do this. One thing counts. But I already painted three, I did sloth. I've done two AFM articles in that time. AFM
3: articles do not count in the challenge. Oh, (laughs)
1: bullshit! I did sloth and two girls for this last step. Don't count. Ah, bullshit. All right, anyway, we're going to move on. Here's our interviews. So we have Jamie Sai first, talking about the ins and out of 3D printing. Um. We hope you enjoy that. And after that, interview with Todd Powell about how to incorporate it into your garage kit business. And we hope you enjoy. Enjoy. All right. And we're back with Jamie Sai for our 3D printing primer episode. Uh, How are you, Jamie? Pretty good. Pretty good. Glad to be here. I'm very glad you're here. Scott, are you glad he's here? Thrilled he's here. I've (laughs) been in this
3: guy's ear, so to speak so much in the last few weeks for sure so
1: jamie how you found us somehow on the stupid youtube show and reached out to me and then we ended up meeting at wonderfest and you are like a brother that i i have a brother but you're I'm more in common with you than i have with my real brother when we just started talking about stuff for the people who have said oh guar sucks like scuzz pink has uh, jamie is also a huge guar fan and He's wearing my other second favorite band, Skinny Puppy shirt, and he's wearing a black shirt, and this is awesome. So to actually have met you and meet someone who's into the exact same kind of things is awesome, because normally I have to sit here and listen to Universal Monster, blah, 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 but we can talk, and we get to talk about other cool things. So thanks for joining us, and I'm very happy you found us. I'm happy I found you, and... War fans are far (laughs) in between, man. They are. It's not... They sure. and that's okay i want it that way <laughs> i don't want a lot of people liking them but so we're here we brought you on because you probably walked me up back from the cliff and i know you kind of help what you've taught me and you've been talking to scott um has really got me to where i think i feel very comfortable printing things from the first point of this sucks it's not working i don't know what's going on and i think you've probably done that with a, quite a few people on the boards on the resin printing boards and Let's just start with a brief introduction. How did you get started in Garage Kits? Because that's where you started, right?
0: Yeah. Um, there used to be a local comic shop here. Um
1: Wait, where's here? Comics. Where's here?
0: Uh Columbus. Okay.
1: Columbus, Ohio.
0: Yeah. And I think Terry Webb also shopped at the same comic book store. I was just gonna say you live right. close to
1: Terry, I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: Um, and I was shopping there and there was a billikin kit on the shelf. Um So I bought it. I believe it was a saucer man kit. Had no idea how to put it together because I'd never seen a resin kit. I mean, I was probably 15 at the time. (laughs) I'm 40, 46 now. So, um, you know, I think I took it home and asked my dad. And he said, I've never seen a model like this before. So um, I went back. I used to go on a weekly basis to this comic shop. Well, then there was another kit there. And even back then, Millikens were expensive um, compared to your car kits and whatnot. So I asked Jake, the owner, I said, he said, Oh, yeah, my, the guy Mike Parks brings them in and sells them through the shop. And um, so he gave me his number. And then um, I think I had put it off to the side for a little bit. And then I bought Model Toy Collector at like a Dane drug store or something. And it was the Dick Tracy issue. And the only reason I bought it, because I hate Dick Tracy, <laughs> the only reason I bought it was there was. Mike Parks's Cyclops kit in there that came with the Aurora-style base. And he had his number there. And then it dawned on me, I saw Jake gave me his number. So I called about the kit. Well, that magazine came out, like, quarterly, I think, back then. so by the time I got the magazine, the kit had already been sold to Geometric. They were already done producing it. So Mike's like, well, being the guy he is, he said, I think I got a few bits and parts. I can probably piece one together together if you don't care if it's different colored resins or whatever and i said no <laughs> so he was at a toy show at the fairgrounds he was gonna show up there and he said i'll just bring it there with me and you can pick it up and then um that's when i found out he did the Bartonstein, stein and i'm a huge simpsons fan so i was like oh i gotta have that and
1: uh it just kind of snowballed down from there cool and you used to go to wonderfest a lot never once in a while uh first one i went to i think was the
0: second show okay and it was like 30 dealer tables like you could do the whole show in about 10 minutes (laughs) um so my parents i think again i was probably 15 or 16 at a time drove me down to louisville dropped me off at the hotel where they went and visited some civil war sites or something and picked me up four or five hours later. I think the first kit I bought at that show was, I want to say it was a geometric pumpkin head, I think, because I remember saving, because that, even back then, that kit was expensive for yeah. a 16-year-old, and um, I think, yeah, and then I just continued going probably up until the early 2000s. And then I got married and had kids and I was getting burned out because we, we were me and a couple of friends were were vendors for a while. We did the chillers uh twice a year. Um but with the recasting and the politics, I mean we literally saw people getting in fights at the show because of
1: Oh, yeah, I know somebody Oh, does you that recasted
0: and... my stuff. No, I didn't and you know, it's like it's plastic people like <laughs>
1: come here to have fun not see people fight fight. rich off this stuff like you'd act like they were still stealing a million dollars from them or something it's funny like todd powell said the same thing in our in our other interview we're doing for this episode you're making like toys for middle-aged guys like it's right like how stupid is it but we all get mad about it sometimes um well that's cool so how did you get into 3d printing when was your first printer what what how did you Uh. find that
0: my first printer was, and I kind of did it backwards, because most
1: people seem to start with the filament FDM printers. Um, Can we stop right there? Just for <laughs> yeah, people who sorry. don't know, could you explain the difference between the two kinds of printers? Uh,
0: the filament, which is uh, FDM, it's fused disposition something. I can't remember. That's that, even
1: better than I would have came up with. So. Yeah.
0: Um, basically, think of it of, as a robotic glue gun yeah that can lay plastic down in in you know a tenth of a millimeter thickness um, and then you have and those print from the bed up, so it literally builds from the ground up resin it's just the opposite you're printing upside down okay um, and the resin is obviously it's liquid um even to this day it's like there's nothing on the plate, and I push play and come back in 12 hours, and there's something there. <laughs> like, it still blows my mind. Um, but I remember seeing it, we have Micro Center here. Um, I don't know if you guys have those. We near do. you yep. They used to have, and this was probably four or five years ago, they had the FDM printers on site working, and they were cool, but back then, the resolution wasn't very good. They were good for prototype parts and you know maybe some mechanical parts, but the detail wasn't there to do a kit. Um, and they were expensive. And fast forward a few years, you know now we're getting FDM printers that are less than $180 that can print at a 0.12 resolution. Now that it's got to that point. Um, It's almost, you know, it's to the point where it's accessible for anybody. But I started off with resin um, because the quality when I first saw the FDM, it just wasn't like, I can't make a kit with that thing. But the the resin stuff, that's fairly new. I think, I want to say the Anycubic Photon and the Elegoo Mars were like the first major affordable printers. And I think those came out in 2018, 2019.
1: I would say yeah, affordable, because there were some before yeah, and that they, were and like, super expensive. And I when like, oh, they
0: released, cool. they were still the Mars and the Photon. I think released at four ninety nine.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. But back then, the only ones you could really get were the Form Labs and and stuff that were thousands of dollars right. and made for like the dental industry and commercial stuff. But I started seeing things popping up on Facebook with the Elegoo Mars. Um, and I was like, you know, most of it was people printing miniatures, because those printers were so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of was just watching them and reading up on them, and more and more forums were being created. Um, and then they, there was like this big boom almost, where you had the Photon come out, Elegoo came out and undercut them, and then it became this back and forth of price wars. So it went within like a year. It seemed like the prices were cut in half, Yeah. you know, and now you can get an Elegoo Mars. I think I've seen them as low as $160 yeah, on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so I started off with the Elegoo Mars. Um, I printed some one eighth size kits off of that, but it was a pain because you got to cut it in so many parts, but it was still cool. Cause it's like, I can make this stuff at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but back then, yeah. So I've, I got my Elgin bars probably mid 2019, I think. Um, so not that end. long
1: ago. Like this is relatively no, about, new for yeah, most people.
0: about two, maybe two years, coming up in October, maybe. Um, but back then, there we didn't, there wasn't as much information as there was now. I mean, that's it's moved so fast. So a lot of it was figuring out on your own. And, um, back then all the advice I got was these things take forever to print. So always, and they go by layers. So, Mm -hmm. um, the taller something is, the more layers it is. Uh, so it takes longer to print. So I, uh, best way to probably best analogy would be a skyscraper. If you're making a, 400-story skyscraper, it's going to take you way longer than if you're doing a 10-story skyscraper.
4: Right.
0: Um, So everybody said, lay your prints flat, as much flat as you can get them, because then it only takes you two hours to print instead of 10 hours to print. So everything I'm printing, I'm laying flat. And as you probably have learned, the least amount of surface area you can print at a time is the the best (laughs) way. (laughs) Um, So everything was sticking to the FEP, every single thing. And I I got to the point, I went printing every day for two and a half weeks, uh, round the clock. I probably went through three liters of resin and didn't have a thing to show for it. And I literally called a friend of mine who had just bought one and I said, I'm sending mine back, it's gotta be broken. (laughs) Like it's not working. (laughs) And then I found out the orientation's wrong you know you you want the least amount of surface area at a time to reduce the suction the stickiness and once i started getting that dialed in it was like it gradually became easier and then it seems like you just reach a point where everything kind of comes together
1: so and i i think my experience was very similar the first two weeks was oh my god everything's failing i don't know why so i'll send you a message and you're like here try this try this and then when it came to scott starting I think it's been a little easier for Scott because I took some of the bumps and was like, here, do this, do this, use these settings. And it seems to have worked, although Scott has had his share of (laughs) fails as well.
3: Most of them, though, I can attribute to user error.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. I think most of the time when it does go wrong, you know why it went wrong and you're like, "Okay, I can fix this. Like Um, today's
3: run out of resin winner. (laughs) Um, Good times. I got a kick out of both of you the other night. Printed something in the wrong scale at the same time.
1: Tani, we're brothers. We're brothers deep down. Uh, Yeah. Printed the wrong scale. So let's do this. If someone, and we'll get into some other just general conversation about 3D printing and stuff like that. But for someone that wants to get started, is there a brand you recommend? Is one better than the other. Um, The one thing I would recommend, and I'll throw it to you here in a second, is watch videos. I spent probably a good year of watching videos on YouTube of people printing how to do it just to kind of familiarize myself with it. And I also, I'm one of those people, when I make a big purchase, I like to research for like a good three months before I actually pull the trigger on something like that to say, okay, this is the one I want to get. Um, What do you recommend? How do you get started in purchasing the things you need? Get started. Um, I
0: did the same thing you did. I'm a research junkie cause I want to get the most bang for my buck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably, I knew nothing about resin printing at all. But like most people I don't think do. Um, <laughs> so I read and watched videos. Um, I was up in the air, like <sighs> the Mars seemed to have the bigger, I mean, the major brands are Anycubic, Elegoo, Frozen, and Epax seem to be the biggest ones. And then there's Vox Lab, and there's a couple other smaller. They're all Chinese companies, except for Epax, I think, it's made out of Taiwan, but they're located in North Carolina, I think. Um, they seem to have the biggest user base, Elegoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like there was less complaints from the people who bought Elegoo's. Um, I'm not really a brand junkie, but I try to go towards what, you know, the research is pointing me in. Cause there's people that swear by Anycubic, but I heard horror stories about the the, the support after, you know, user support that you're on your own once you get it. Um, and yeah. they had issues with warped build plates and then it took six months to get a new build plate. Um, but there's people I know that bought the Anycubic Photon or the Anycubic Mono X and they love it. Yeah. Uh, People need to realize too that these are, you know, like a Saturn or a Mo, a Saturn or the Mono X. They're $500 machines out of China. Don't base your purchase on support. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, $500 is kind of a chunk of money, but you're not. There's machines like the Formlabs that are $1,200, $1,500. You're probably going to get better user support from them. Um, right, you're gonna get a better machine, so I feel like people have a little too high expectations. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people on the forums, I emailed Delagoo and they didn't get back to me. And well, it was Chinese New Year and there's a 14 hour time difference, <laughs> you, you know. I um, but it, people get used to the Amazon where it's like instant returns, instant right. chat, you know, and there's a language barrier as well. Um Any of the big brands, they all pretty much use the same boards uh, made by Chitu. Um, It's an electronics company. They make the boards, they make the screens. Um, So they're all pretty much the same functionality wise. Um, e tends to be the kind of like the Cadillac, I'd say of the machines, because they make theirs upgradable. Um, so you can get bigger screens for the same machine, but you're you're paying for that as well. Right. So
1: once you've picked your printer, what's the next thing you should do? Find Jamie on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean the best thing once you get your printer, I think then you gotta make sure you have the supplies, the rubber gloves. Um, I'm not a very safety conscious person. I should be, but um, some sort of safety glasses I think is definitely needed.
1: Oh yeah. I should. Um, him.
0: I mean, yeah, there's a lot of fluids, you know, there's resin splash. I don't know how many times I have dropped a piece back into the vat trying to get it, you know, played <laughs> off or whatever. Um,
1: so yeah, I mean it is, there's a lot of chemicals involved. Um, and that's I, like, I haven't looked out of fear to see how dangerous things are. Um, you should wear gloves. The one thing I've, the two things, two things I've noticed is you go through gloves and paper towels, like water. You're going to be buying gloves and paper towels once a week, almost, it seems like. Oh yeah. So that's the two things you need right off the bat, gloves, paper towels, and then something to clean your prints with. Are you the water-based resin person or are you the, uh, kind that you need alcohol to clean your prints? I am...
0: I am the alcohol-based guy. I started with water washable. um, And just like in the garage kit hoppy, it seems like there's things that are almost – there's almost like a religious separation with some of these things, (laughs) the way people just are adamant about it. Um, I don't like the water washable. I had issues with cracking like most people did, Um, even with hollow prints, cleaning them out thoroughly, they still cracked. Um, Some people swear by it, but I've had it happen to me. There's a lot of people, I'm sure you've seen them on the forums too. The first question when someone shows a cracked print is, is it water washable? And the second answer is, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, almost 98% of the time. Um, I use denatured alcohol. Um, Yeah. I got my Saturn, I got my first Saturn, like at the start of the pandemic, when you couldn't find alcohol. Um, And then I got my second one during like the second half of the pandemic, and you still couldn't find alcohol. And when you did, it was $10 a quart, it seemed like. yeah. Um, And then I had a guy mention denatured alcohol, and he said it's basically 99% alcohol, they just put an additive in it so you can't drink it. (laughs) <laughs> and he said, Well you could drink it, but you'll just die. But um I feel I've tried both.
1: Um Mason,
3: when he says he's tried both, that doesn't mean he's drank it. <laughs> Don't try to drink it. I have no problem um,
1: over there. Yeah.
0: I've tried the ninety-nine percent IPA isopropyl alcohol. I've tried the ninety one percent. Um I've never tried the simple green method. That um that doesn't look good to me. recommend. I yeah. Um Because you're cleaning the resin, and I'm not a physicist or a chemical person or anything, but you're cleaning the resin, and the way you're cleaning it is you're dissolving the resin off of the print. You're not necessarily cleaning it like you're scrubbing dirt off. So you need a solvent, which is denatured alcohol or IPA. Most of your simple greens are a degreaser. Right. First and foremost, and then they have a a second ability to be a solvent. Um, so I've never really used that. Um, it's great for stripping auto. paint. It's simple yeah, paint off of, of kits. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The purple power, I use that a lot yep. for kits. Um, but yeah, it's like so, I I go with the denatured, and my results have been a lot better than even with ninety nine percent IPA. And it's cheaper. I think I pay ten dollars a gallon for it. It's fifteen here. Damn. Yeah. At Menard's, I think it was ten ten or twelve bucks a gallon. But yeah, you can't touch a gallon of IPA for like twenty or thirty dollars.
3: Yeah. So. I love when you go to Home Depot, they call it fuel. Yeah, it says
1: fuel. Yeah, I'm camp kidding. camper fuel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows I, me and
1: fire. I don't need any fuel.
0: Yeah, that's I told my wife, I said if our house ever catches fire, it's gonna be like a meth lab blowing up, because I got gallons and gallons of denatured alcohol
3: down there Um, well and that's another thing i go through a lot of and like when i go to menards or something and i bag my stuff i'll grab extra bags because almost daily i'm taking a bag outside to the garbage can so i don't have a bag full of denatured alcohol paper towels or whatever and so it's going out yeah almost uh, that's
1: funny i wanted to mention that as well like i have never emptied this my garbage can that sits here for my painting—it's usually like Q-tips or paint caps or something. It sits there for a month before it fills up. I'm emptying that now once a week. I should do it more. Yeah, I
0: ended up going back to the glove thing. I ended up buying the heavy-duty chemical gloves. Um, I think from Menards or Lowe's, one of them, because um, I was burning through nitrile gloves like no tomorrow. Um, and again, with the pandemic. The price of nitrile gloves has like quadrupled. So,
1: yeah, I they were what nine dollars at Harbor Freight. They're up to twenty dollars for a box of gloves yeah. and some things. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's and I like Harbor Freight
3: knows. puts a sign up that says, "Yeah, sorry, we had to double the price." Yeah, know. yeah, there's some due yeah.
0: to their supplies or something. But yeah, Um yeah. So I ended up investing in those thick chemical gloves, and those have saved me tons on gloves.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, I think I have. Actually I think I have some from a costume. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I know people clean with acetone. Apparently acetone is the Cadillac of cleaners for resin prints. Um Ugh. you literally just dunk them in there for like 20 seconds and it's done. Um but I don't know you guys have uh, the washing you guys have the washing yeah. cure stations. I just have two buckets um <laughs> Like they're like the foods, airtight food storage containers. Mm-hmm. Um, but each one's about half a gallon to three quarters of a gallon of denatured. And I kind of use this two step approach. I have the first step, I put my print in there, describe what the two sprouts get the bulk of the stuff off of it. Then I put it in the second container as like a rinse. Um, so I got two big buckets of denatured alcohol sitting out fuming up the basement and acetone. When my wife does her nails, I can't stand being around it. So I couldn't imagine having like a half gallon of it open at all times.
1: Yeah. When I used to paint my nails, I didn't like the smell of that. Yeah. But... Wait, wait. You painted your nails? Yeah, I used to paint my nails all the time.
3: How do you want to go there? Mm-hmm. All right.
1: I think That's I showed right. the picture before. <laughs> That's fantastic.
3: Um, You're a beer weirdo every <laughs> fucking week. I swear to God. So,
0: Jamie, what do you do with your polluted, denatured alcohol? Uh, I have a waste bucket outside. Um, I tried the recycle approach, um, where you f- you know, let it settle, then you s- let the sun cure it, and then you essentially wick off all the good stuff off the top, and then the bottom is, you know, the jelly, gelatinous, grossness. Um, it was so messy, so time-consuming it really wasn't worth it. <laughs> um, yeah. I know there's guys that have bought like distilling that built or bought distilling. I, I've been looking at those. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can get them for like a hundred bucks. Yep. Um, it probably would pay for itself over time, but I'm, um, I'd rather just print than messing around with that stuff. So well, I just brought mine is, in then... a bucket. I got a big bucket outside. It's got a a top on it so animals and stuff can't get in there it's got some holes in it and i just pour it in there and let it evaporate and then the hardened resin in the bottom just goes in the trash i i've looked at that still and um
3: what scares me about it is like (laughs) they say it only takes an hour to do like a gallon yeah so um luckily i have a detached garage so i could run it out there and even in the winter time run it because i guess the uh, the denatured alcohol will not thaw or will not freeze i should say um but it, it is interesting You like you say it'll probably pay for itself you know after a
0: while um uh, i want you to try it first for long so you know same but, people build them out of like those big old time coffee pots you know that are you plug in yeah yeah um i've seen some and that's got like the the spout on the front where you just hold your cup under it i've seen some guys build some out of those um but like i said i i don't want to spend hours to if you do alcohol. that buy don't one, one made alcohol, for alcohol. i want to drink it
3: yeah they have <laughs> specific ones made for alcohol you probably
1: yeah. don't want to buy one that
3: <laughs> you're distilling water in
1: so yeah but um, none of it, this yeah. is going to end up well for me. That's why I won't probably do it.
0: But yeah, the I guess the SDS sheets, um, the safety data sheets. From what I've read, um, they're kind of vague. And again, this stuff's coming out of China, where they probably don't have right. They the, don't. the same type of safety regulations. Redo. Mm-hmm. Um, it the is EPA in China. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> it is. It is a sensitizer. Um, the resin. So what that means is it may not affect you immediately if you get it on your skin, but if you keep getting it on your skin or you keep breathing the fumes, six months down the road, you may start having adverse reactions. So it kind of slowly builds up in your system. And then one day you're like, why am I all breaking out? I guess what it happened to one guy. He didn't have any issues with it for like a year and then he spilled some on his skin and almost had like instant chemical burn type reactions to it but
1: it, that's that scares me a little bit because i've kind of had that happen with av's Ave's safety solvent oh, okay. i yeah. use so much of that stuff when i was working on my uh, art degree and now when i get it on my skin it's like it just i don't know my fingers feel weird the worst thing i ever did as a modeler you know the squadron green putty Oh yeah. I used to smooth that with my bare hands. Mm. And after about an hour my whole hand was numb to my wrist. And I'd be like Isn't that that's a Sullivan based putty, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's not good. So <laughs> I was like, why is this happening? And then I'm like, Oh, I'm not gonna use this anymore. I'm dumb. <laughs>
3: yeah. The weirdest thing I ever did was years ago, before they changed pine salt, you could strip models with pine salt. What was uh, in plastic there? models. And it wouldn't affect the plastic and so um i stripped this guy's little go-kart because i ended up casting it so i wanted all the paint off of it so i told the guy i said you disassemble it i'll strip the paint off of it and so my hand was in this stuff for like an hour and a half and it dried my hands out so bad i felt like the mummy um (laughs) afterwards that and then i did easy off one time um and got some on my skin And the same thing with the purple power, man. Wear gloves if you use any of that shit because chemical burns suck. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I know. So,
3: I mean, it's not as cool as sticking your arm in a bucket of plaster,
1: I guess. But No, but it still hurts. Uh, The other really dumb thing, and everyone should probably do this, maybe we should have a safety episode. I was spraying Liquitex when I painted my Inaleg Spawn Kit. I was spraying Liquitex Cadmium red through my airbrush, without a mask, without anything, and that's probably the worst thing I've probably ever done. I think mm. if I get lung cancer, it's that in the camels. I think. Anyway, yeah, I'd go on the camels. I'd go with the camels. The years of smoking. Okay, so everyone has their printer. Everyone <laughs> has some of their stuff. If like, and we're here. If anyone wants to message us, and we'll help you out. But. You have your supplies. You have your printer. Where do you get your files? Where do you go find stuff to print? Uh, you got Thingiverse,
0: which is a plethora of free files, um, and the things you can find on there is quite surprising. I, you know, I think didn't Scott need an anvil for something, and then <laughs> yep, I you found one threw up a link like. 30 seconds later so it's like what day and age yeah. like, I need an anvil here's one oh I can just print it um, <laughs> so yeah you have Thingiverse uh, that's 100% free um, downloads um, Colts 3D is a big one there's some free stuff on there um, there's several STL Facebook's uh, groups on there um, those are m- Probably ninety nine point nine percent are paid files. Um, mm-hmm. um, I know my mini factory is a good one. Um, my, there's I'm, some free stuff I'm, on yeah, there. there is
1: a lot of free stuff. Like there's people that will like put out like a little promo piece to get you to right. come to their page, basically. Yeah. And you can it's filter CG, by free.
0: CG Trader. CG Trader. Um, yeah. Gambody is another one. Yeah. Um, I think they're pay mostly pay. Yep. Um, so you've done this
2: obviously longer than we have. How do you know when you go
3: to a site and you want to download a file?
0: How do you know that's the original guy that did the artwork? Um, that's where places like My Mini Factory, um, Thingiverse. You do have to watch out cuz there's a lot of people that get the files off Thingiverse and then they'll sell them on their Etsy stores. Um, so if you're looking for something, check Thingy first first before you buy from like Etsy or eBay cuz more than likely it's probably come off of Thingiverse. <laughs> um you you got to be careful. Um, most of your sites like Gambody. um, I think Nico Nico Industries is a new one that's kind of becoming a mm-hmm. sales site for STLs now. Um, then there's also one called Thangs T H A N G S. Um, it's kind of similar to a Thingiverse. Um, and then there is a search engine called Yegi. You may have seen that I've one come across it, yeah. It's it's basically like a Google search and it searches all the different STL sites. Um so if you just type in, you know, uh, Roadrunner STL, you might see a link for Yegi pop up. If you click on that, it's basically a, it basically searched all the other sites. Um, and then when you click on that Yegi link, it takes you to the site. The big thing right now is the I think most of it's coming out of Hong Kong and Taiwan, uh, areas, China, where they're scanning those big, um, really expensive sideshow statues that are like $1,500. Um, they're scanning those and, and selling STLs to those. Um, the way I found out was I have a friend who's a big collector, uh, of the sideshow pieces, and he follows a lot of the sideshow YouTube groups and stuff. And um, I sent him a file. I think it was a Batman, and I said, "Yeah, look at this. I found this file for 15 bucks. I can, you know, if you want it, want it, I can print it for you." And he says, "Oh, that's the sideshow or some some company that released a statue, and it was like a 800 dollars bronze piece or something." And I'm like, "Oh." he was like, yeah, it looks like they scanned it. <laughs> so I, so I didn't know that. I mean, cause I'm not into the sideshow pieces. Um, so then once he tipped me off, I kind of looked into it more. So there is kind of what I've been calling digital recasting, where they're stealing the files, selling them, scanning other people's works and then selling the file. Um if you go to the legitimate sites, MyMiniFactory, Colt, Trader, um, those are heavily policed. Um, when you post stuff, you have to create an account. I think you have to verify that account that it's you. Um, still probably not 100% bulletproof, but you, if you buy from those sites, you know pretty much your money's going to the creator of that file.
1: So this leads us into an ethics conversation, I think. Um, garage kit guys have been whipped by the recasting whip for, for years, right? So everyone's a little, like, gun-shy. They don't want to. They're very tight with their stuff. Like, they're afraid to put something out there. Someone's going to recast it. Someone's going to do something. What, what are the pitfalls that a garage kit producer, if they wanted to get into something or print a kit or have, like, what do you see as foresee that could be a problem for them? what do you think that an unscrupulous person might do with a garage kit thing if they had it or, or just, I mean, in general, talk maybe about some of that or something you might've come across because you were in the garage kit stuff before this
0: and you know, both. Yeah. I mean, and as you know, I don't want to play devil's advocate here, but if you're selling an unlicensed kit and this has been covered a million times, you essentially are profiting off of somebody else's
2: IP. So
0: if somebody takes your IP and copies that and makes money off of that, are they really, ethically it's wrong because yeah, you put the time and effort into sculpting that piece. They just took it and you did all the work for them. But essentially you're you're stealing someone else's IP just like this person's stealing, you know. So there there's a whole gray area there. Right um
1: And but, that that argument's been going for years. And I Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, you know, there's rights and wrongs on both ends of the argument. Um we wouldn't have this hobby if we didn't have fan art, I believe is what they call it now. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And yeah, I think it's wrong if somebody takes your your fan art that you created, whether it's based on somebody else's intellectual property or not, because um, you put the work into it. Yeah, it's wrong. I'd be mad too if someone I spent you know a hundred hours sculpting that piece and then you just come and take it and sell it, and right. you didn't have to put all the. So yeah, I get it. Um, I think you're gonna see a problem. with with scanning people's work, which is being done now. And scanners, good quality scanners right now are ridiculously expensive. I think the cheapest, decent scanner, even worth buying to scan anything at a high resolution, I think they're $700 or $800. And that's for like a handheld. But There's iPhone apps because the iPhone has what they call a LiDAR scanner in it. Um, And that's what they use to measure depth with their camera modules. Um, And that LiDAR scanner is perfect for 3D scanning. Um, And there was a guy who wrote an app for the iPhone that does some pretty decent scanning with a $10 app and your iPhone. Just walk around the piece and scan it in three hundred and sixty degrees, throw it in this app, and do some touching up and you could probably get a pretty decent print out of it um, and,
1: and in five years it'll be
0: three right times as good, that, like... even less. I think Samsung's talking about some type of scanning thing in their new phones coming out, so those are, those items are progressively going to get better and cheaper um. Mm-hmm. I'd say even less than five years, we'll probably have real good hand hand type scanners we can use. Um, so the problem's just going to get worse. Um, but I understand, you know, um, talking with some sculptors, they're worried about getting putting their work out there in an STL form, even though it could be very profitable for them, um, because it's their work. They don't. You know, as an artist, you don't really want your work stolen. You don't really want it freely shared, um, unless that's your intent. But if you're spending all these hours sculpting a digital sculpture to sell, and then somebody steal, you know, you get one person that buys that file for $20, and then they throw it up on a file sharing site. Now, 300 people have your file. Um, The bad news is is that's going to happen. There's no way you can stop it. Um, There is, I know there's um, like some sort of digital watermarking that somebody's been doing. So you can actually almost digitally sign a file. So if I had, if you bought a file from me and then it turned, somebody starts sharing my file, I can download that file and find out who originally bought it. So it'll have like a checksum or something type thing, okay, that I think is that, you, cool. yeah, so I could be like, well, Jason was the one who bought this
1: file originally, yeah,
0: yeah, originally, now it's out there, so he either put it up there or shared it with somebody else who shared it um so that technology's kind of coming up, um so you it still won't stop the sharing, but you can at least track down the people who do it and maybe kind of in a way blacklist them
1: right. Which is a good thing. And I think it kind of goes, and I, when I was talking to sculptors a little bit, I'm trying to, it's a very similar thing to happen with music, right? Music used yep. to be, you know, the set price, and then all of a sudden it's free and you can get it wherever you want. And they had to scramble to figure out how to do it. I think the people that were stealing music were the same people that were never going to buy it in the first place. And you're not going to ever get those people anyway. If someone likes you as a sculptor, if someone tre- like treasures you as an artist, they're going to give you the money regardless. They're not going to go buy that stolen file. They're not going to go and spend or share it around because they actually have respect for you. So, if you kind of build up a community with people, and I think this leads into a Patreon conversation, if you build a community with people and people respect you as an artist, they're not going to share your work and they're not going and they're going to pay money for it if they want, if they like what you're making. And it's it's sad that people do that, but I think you have to kind of look at the way the music industry went and the way the movie industry went with Netflix and make it a service more than an individual basis. Like you're trying to keep subscribers versus selling an individual scope. Both of you want to chime in either on that. I don't I don't know, but that's yeah. my my thinking on it. I think
0: I, I agree. I mean, you have to look at the sales you're making, as opposed to the potential money you lost by that file getting shared. Focus on the good, not the bad. Um, I'm a member of a Patreon. The guy has 4,500 subscribers. He releases almost a dozen models a month, sometimes more, for a $10 fee. Um, Not every month is there something I want to print, but I still pay that $10 because the amount of stuff he puts out is great, you know, and he gives you full licensure to print as many items and sell as many as you want. So you have, as long as you don't share the file and you give him credit in your sales, he even lets you use his renders on your sales page. Um, <laughs> Which is so,
3: that one I don't, I, I don't get that whole, <laughs> don't share the file, but print as many as you want and sell them. Yeah, Because this, I'm on one of those too. Um, and yeah, I'm so more like, wow this
0: guys making you know 4500 subscribers at $10 a, a month um 45,000 Jason $45,000 a month and I talked to him a few wait, times Wait, 25,000
1: a month or 4500?
0: No. He has 45. no 4500 would be a dollar a month. Oh shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> uh he's overseas and gets taxed heavily and by uh, you know he's a Patreon takes a cut his conversion fees get hit, um, his tax gets hit, but he's still walking away with, you know, 60 to 70% of that money. Um, and here's the thing his stuff turns up the day he releases a, a kit, it pops up on the file sharing. You'll see it for free. Um, his people, because he's very active with his subscribers, um, He fixes stuff almost immediately if you, like I, I was doing a darkness kit and I wanted to do it in a larger scale, but it wouldn't fit on the Saturn because he still had the arms attached. So I I sent him a instant message and said, Hey man, yeah, I'm one person out of 4,500. He's probably never going to answer me, you (laughs) know? Um, I said, Hey, is there any chance you could, you know, cut and key the arms so I can print it at a larger scale on my Saturn? Two days later, he sent me the file with the arms cut off. Um. So. His files get shared, but his his subscribers are like piranhas. Once they find somebody sharing his file,
1: I mean they're shutting this guy down as quick as they can. And that's kind of if what they, I meant. You have to make your own little army, like your file, like send them out to find yeah, people and, you.
0: Okay, you know his file gets shared. And he probably, you know, how many of those people probably download that shared file and printed it and sold it or whatever. But those people would have never subscribed anyway, like you said. Okay, well, he's making 45 grand a month. I don't care if my file is getting shared. You know what I mean? Like that was, <laughs> that's kind of my, I'm sure he cares because he does try to go after these people. or they And rightfully they actually, so, you should. Yeah, they actually figured out out of the group who shared one of the files um i don't know how but there was they kind of tracked it back with subscribers and um they figured out who did it and you know the guy's probably having a hard time buying files from anybody at this point because the word gets out there that you know so and so is a file share um so yeah there's there's that um you just kind of have to focus on, on the good and not the bad. I mean, MP3s and file sharing didn't kill, kill the music industry. No. Um, We still got music. We get it in different forms now. Um, Just like, I don't think 3d printing, which seems to be looked down upon by some in the hobby. Um, You, you hear people bad mouthing it on the forums, you know, in the, in the garage kit forums. And I remember back in the day, um we were always looked down in the garage kit hobby by the armor guys and the car guys you know well you guys build monster kits and uh, yucky resin and you know but now they're doing kind of the same thing that was done to them (laughs) and i'm like it's kind of hypocritical you know it's it's almost looked upon as like a a scourge on the industry or something you know like and, and it It's just progression, really. I mean, but I can see how these, you know, model producers probably see it as a threat because I don't have to mail order now. I don't have to wait a year to go to Wonderfest. If I want to print a kit of Laura Croft, I can go to six different websites, find six different kits, probably pay as little as $5 or upwards of $25, and I can have it tomorrow morning, you Mm -hmm. know? um so you said i said something think,
1: really cool to me you said it's like having wonderfest in your pocket yeah or in I your mean, house like every day yeah i mean I, I spend probably
0: more time than i should just browsing stl <laughs> sites man like i can't it's almost like i can't get enough of this stuff you know yeah. and i print more than i build which is i can see your stack building up back there so i <laughs> wanted to get
1: into that for a second it's probably the worst thing i could have ever bought I have so much stuff as it is to buy something that puts more things in my house at a rate at which like it doesn't, it's ridiculous. It was the worst thing, worst decision, but best decision ever, because it's just going to be a pile of unbuilt resin kits to go with the unpile or printed kits worse with the miniatures with this and that. And yeah, ugh, all over, but half well, the fun, yeah. I mean, half the fun of it to me is, is just printing it. Yeah. Like,
0: you know, design it in the slicing software, supporting it. I may be a masochist or something because I find that fun. <laughs> um, yeah, you got a problem.
1: <laughs> I said the um, same thing to Todd Paul yesterday. It's almost like a video game because you're clicking on, you're trying to find your islands and it's like a little OCD video game that you have to play to figure out how to get something perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, I, somebody made a good comment on one of the—I think it was a uh, one of the filament-based forms—and he said, "3D printing is probably one of the most frustrating hobbies, but it's also the most rewarding." So, and that's the thing—I helping you guys and and helping a couple other people that you guys put in touch with me and.
1: We're sorry, by the way.
0: <laughs> oh no, it, because I understand the frustration, and it's like. You spend a lot of money on this hobby. It's not cheap. I mean it's cheaper now, but especially if you get like the the bigger printers. Um every fail is essentially costing you money because mm-hmm. it's just going into the trash unless you can sometimes you can fix them or make them yeah. usable. But and
3: every support um, every support is wasted money. I mean that's just going in the garbage.
0: Yeah. Well. I mean you know. it, Yeah. And that's where you want to get your support game on because you don't want to add unnecessary supports, but you also don't want to not use enough supports and have the whole thing fail. So, right. Um run out of resin in your VAT because you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. My resin in my VAT is always at the line. I don't care what I'm printing. It's yep. always at the line. <laughs> um, Cause I, I should like so roll out. the dice, Jamie, I'm rolling <laughs> yeah. the dice. Yeah. I think I got
2: enough in there, you know, and it's, um, um, yeah. So
0: that's the thing is, um, it, it's very frustrating and I didn't have too much help. There wasn't that much help back then. Um, cause everybody at that point was still kind of figuring it out. So And I'm glad I stuck with it. And then when I know you started having problems, you're like, I'm going to just give up, you know?
3: (laughs) Yeah. And mine was on the way. He's like telling me this sucks. I'm giving up. And I'm like, dude, I just fucking bought And even
0: when you have somebody telling you like, it'll get better. You're still thinking like, this dude's lying to me. I can't get (laughs) this to work. Um, But it it is such a rewarding thing. And it it is is a cool thing. Like I'm making this stuff in thin air, basically. Yeah. so i don't like to see people quit because i know like eventually they'll get it um i helped a guy not too long ago he got an fdm printer um he saw this he goes to the same tattoo guy i go to and he saw the prints. my tattoo guy i do prints for him all the time we basically just trade art for art So he'd see all these things in there and he's like, Oh, I want to do that. You know, and, and the way you kind of, I don't know about you, but when I first saw it on, on the internet and watching videos, it's like you pour liquid in, you push a button, you get up and you got to print. Yeah. Yeah, That's lies. Yeah. Um, It it looked easy. Everything you see makes it look easy. Um, And then you realize it's not easy when you first start. And this guy was like, I'm buying an FDM printer. And that's a whole nother boat in itself. what you learn in resin does not translate to FDM printing. Yeah, Fused resin, deposition modeling, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, resin, it's, it all, it's all about your settings and your supports and your orientation. Those three things. If you can get those three things down, you can do it successfully. FDM, you have feed rates, you have supports, um, extrusion widths, and all this stuff. Um, so it's a whole separate ball game. Um, I don't want to say one's easier than the other, but when I bought my FDM machine, it was literally put the file in and I pushed pushed the button and I did have a print. Um, I don't know if I got lucky with that, or maybe <laughs> maybe I, you know, the resin gods were like he had a hell of a time with resin. We're gonna let him go easy on this one. Um but this guy he 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 bought saw all those prints at my tattoo guy. And he said, yeah, Jamie does those. And he saw what kind of printer should I get? And I said, well, get the, he didn't, he didn't want to get in the resin because it was kind of expensive. So I said, we'll get this one. Within a week, um, he had made a post that he was selling his printer. (laughs) Uh, He he put slightly used Vox Lab for sale, used three times. Uh, I just can't get it to work. So I texted him and I said, what's going on, man? And he said, I can't get it to stick to the bed. And, you know, it, that's the reverse thing. We worry about sticking to the bed or not sticking to the, we don't want it to stick to the right. bed, essentially. <laughs> FDM, you want it to stick. Um, he couldn't get it to stick. And it's just a big ball of spaghetti because the printer doesn't know it failed. It just keeps spitting out filament. Um, it does look, I've seen them. They look yeah. like a big ball spaghetti um so i work i said don't sell it i said it's just it's frustrating but you know here so i helped him and he lives a good 35 40 miles away and he's he's one of these guys he's like i can't he's like i need you to just come over and show me and i'm like well you're you're like an hour away i'm like i can't just um so i said we'll try to work through it you know i'll zoom with you or whatever uh about a month later he's sending me pictures he bought three more printers and he's got this whole <laughs> thing going in his basement and he's painting them and selling them now and it's like see if you would have gave up you wouldn't you know he's having the time of his life now you know and he's making yeah. uh, some side money so it's like if you would have sold that printer you wouldn't be at this point so there's and you guys probably know from being on the forums there is a lot of elitists on there i noticed that, that yep and just I, you know they're just assholes <laughs> yeah a lot is. not all of them but there's a lot of them that there are you ask a simple question you're new to it it's a simple question because you you've never done it before and they act like you should know this and they demean you and everything else and it's the there worst are of- so many people just quit quit the forms because of that you know the,
3: the guy with the tilted build flight though he kind of deserved oh, yeah. a little bit okay <laughs> yeah. I was afraid to tighten it. I'm like,
0: yeah. I'm blind to one eye and I can see that thing <laughs> hey, off by like I'm, half. I'm glad man. you're
3: not putting tires on my car. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I think I was what, afraid to tighten it.
1: Hey, yeah. I think what makes that happen, the elitism is you take your computer video game nerds and mix them with hobby nerds and you get this super like that. Cause that's how video game guys talk like, Oh, you should know this. You, you should be better than this. You should do this, this, and this. And it's just the constant mean condescending bullshit. And it's so great to have found you and I'll give the pledge here for anyone who does want to jump in, I'll help you through it. I'm sure Scott will walk you through some, um, cause I, I think if you stick with it, it'll be very rewarding. Like they said, or like Jamie said, and it's, it's something that I want people to try. And even looking at, when you look at people's pages for their STL that they, they want you to download. They have a painted copy sometimes and the painted copy looks terrible. And it's like, I want these two worlds to come together because they have no idea who Jeff camp or who any of these amazing painters are on our side of the world or Ben Comets. They don't know who any of these painters are or who the good sculptors on our side are, but we don't know who they are either. And if we could just get these, the miniature world, the 3d printer and the garage kit, if everyone can just kind of, it it would be amazing. This hobby would be supercharged, and you'd have such a brand new look on everything. And I I I if we do one thing, it's, it's that I want to bring people together. So it's you know, don't get it discouraged. Keep trying.
3: Well, Please try. And I've talked to a few garage kit producers, and you know, like you guys said, there's a lot of pushback. Okay. Yet, I've had one tell me, yeah, maybe I have to think about it, and not so much and and I'll still say this um and and we talked to Todd last night, and you know Todd is doing a lot of production he's but he's got four or five printers running at one time. It's hard if you're gonna produce a model and make fifty or sixty of them, and it's a one six scale model, man you're going to have a waiting list six months long before you print all of those. Okay. Because of, again, the size and, and all that. So I don't think the traditional mold making and resin castings going away just yet. Okay. And I don't think the traditional clay sculpting is going away just yet. Although I will say this, when you really think about it, there's probably more digital sculptors out there right now than there are traditional clay sculptors. And that's, Man, that's not taken away from none of those guys that are still sculpted in clay because they do beautiful work. Okay, but I I think there's room. There's uh that David Stan from Stan Arts, the Tauntaun kit, um, he had 3D printed parts in with his resin cast parts. And and I think that it that's that's a good use for this stuff. Okay. Um, some of this detail I had a guy telling me the other day. Well, your uh, LED screen's gonna go bad, blah blah blah, and it's like, yeah, after how long? And molds go bad too after 50 casting. So you know, it, it's they're just so against it. I think they feel threatened, and I don't necessarily think it's a threat because I don't think everyone in the hobby is gonna buy a $500 printer and/or have the patience or knowledge, computer knowledge, to do it. So I think that if anything, guys like us, we're gonna have guys coming to us saying, print this for me. Okay.
1: <laughs> which has happened.
3: And uh which has already happened to me. I know Jamie's been doing it for a while. Um I got this alien I want you to print, by the way, Jamie. Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: yeah, if I do another one of those, it's yeah, that but I'm I'm going on 18 days of actual <laughs> print time. If you if you factor out when the printers are off and I'm slicing the printers have actually been running for 18 days
1: total time. Can you describe Five the actual collection. kit to people? Huh? Can you describe that alien kit to people? Like the um, size of it, it was
0: a gentleman, I think it was on cults. Um, it's a, it's 24, 25 inches tall. Um, and it's an alien. It's like sitting on a hive base and he's crouching down, like, looking on, and there's, like, four alien eggs. That uh, The eggs themselves are about the size of large chicken eggs that you would buy at the store. Um, And then from the back of the piece, there's, like, a continuation of the hive. So I think the total piece is 25 inches tall, 25 inches deep, and, like, 14 inches wide. (laughs) Um, I added it up. And my total print time, the the Alien was done on resin. He's true quarter scale. His tail's, I think, 36 inches long. Wow. Okay. Um, And it wraps all the way around. Um, He was done in resin. His dome was done in clear. Um, And then the base, and this is where FDM printing comes in. the base was done in filament, um, which is why it's taking so long, but I wouldn't be able to do that size even on the Saturn. Um, plus it would probably cost uh, four or five liters of resin, I bet. Um, so I think total time, it's gonna be over 450 actual print hours. Um, I'm wrapping it up this week and um, I, I'm doing it for my tattoo guy. And I, I and the file itself was, I think the file was $80. Um, something like that um but I told him because I do a lot of prints for him from the one patreon I'm, I'm joined so I, I can sell those and if people request a kit um I either buy the STL for them and include it in the price or I have them send me the file um so he I do a lot of kits for him um and then people see them and then they want them so he sends them my way um I did that alien and he had three people already ask about it. And it's not even three quarters of the way done yet. <laughs> and I, I said, I had a couple of people asked, he said, he said, how much, if anybody's interested. And I said, you have to tell him like $700. Like I'm so burnt out on printing this, <laughs> you know, I mean printing takes a long time. Um, it's literally tied up both my FDMs for like the last 18 days. Um, And you got some guys that need some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing your guys a little care package stuff in between. Um, I didn't uh, ask for anything. That's him. Well, I figure if I'm shipping it, I'll just double up on everything and you guys can fight over it. Yeah, Jamie, I'll charge it. him for it.
1: He then, probably will. Uh, He's yeah. a son of a bitch. Let's just real yeah, quick that'd... before, before yeah, we go out bro. on this. Garage kits. What's your Grail garage kit? Is there one you've never been able to find? Um, I think I found it. I kind of purged a
0: bunch of kits a while back and, um, I had a tremors geometric kit, which I see on your back shelf there. It's still sitting there. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, I don't think the kits in there. I think it's just a box. Yeah. Torture. Um,
0: I really, I think one of the big ones I never got was the artomic, um, Nosferatu, um, which I think, I feel like he's made
3: that available on his site again, I but think I'm not so. positive. Um, he's actually on Etsy, is
0: he? Yeah, yeah. I know okay. his website. He, it looks like they're for sale again, but I don't know if the if his website's been updated or not. But um, that was probably one of them. Um, I did get a Mike Parks Mad Labs, Fright um, Night, Amy kit. Um, some guy in Hawaii was moving and obviously moving from Hawaii, you gotta ship all that stuff overseas to get it to the States and he was basically just cleaning house. So I think I ended up getting that kit for like fifty bucks. Okay. Um yeah. I mean, compared to the stuff today that is that's it's that old brown orange resin that's probably as toxic as drinking gasoline, <laughs> but Oh that's uh the... <laughs> stuff's horrible. Yeah. You, you just open the box and you can smell the chemicals. <laughs> but uh that was one I always wanted from him that I just, you know, back then things were real expensive and I was young. So I only had so much expendable income on this stuff. And so you had to pick and choose, but. So
2: do
3: you see this impacting the traditional garage kid hobby? I mean,
0: to the point where they're worried about it or I do, think you, do you see that, it as a merge? I think that's who it's going to impact are the people that are worried about it. It's a progression I think eventually we'll see it more absorbed to where you're going to see more files for sale. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe even at the conventions, people will be selling the files, you know, where you can just buy them there at the convention and give them your guy your thumb drive and he'll give you the file for 20 bucks. I could see that as a possibility. Um, the bad thing about
3: they, that is you'd see a bunch of guys in the giving each other thumb drives out in the lobby oh yeah
0: yeah and and like i said that at that point you just you gotta accept the good with the bad um but i think the guys who don't adapt to this and use it as a tool um like the one guy you uh you guys were talking about he does some 3d printing stuff some kits are 3d printed but like you said it's a slow process um You're going to have people waiting for months to get a kit if you're 3D printing all of them. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, like you said, there's some things you just can't cast, you know, um, but you can 3D print. I mean, there's some things on these 3D prints that I'm like, there's no way in hell somebody could cast that without some sort of super expensive injection molding or something like that. A you know, um, stupid thing. You could never cast this, right? Okay. Um, I mean, it, so I think 3D printed parts is a, is is a good example of using it as a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, hand and you know, it's quicker to hand cast something um, than it is to 3D print it. So do the bulk of your hand casting, and then the finer parts, like the hands or something, you could 3D print those and get get the crazy detail out of it. Well, yeah, and
3: like this Tasmanian devil I did. So he's roughly this big. Yeah. And he's in the light, sorry. But so he had teeth. So he had five sets of teeth, five little teeth pieces. And here's one of them. Okay, it's still in the supports.
2: Right. Because it cures easier this way. And um now, if I was pouring that kit, I could fill up a build plate
3: with these teeth. Yep. And you know in that instance I wouldn't cast those teeth and those teeth would be a pain in the ass to cast not impossible but a pain in the ass to no, cast. but those
0: would be yeah air bubble city man
3: <laughs> yeah so it, it's um you know so again I would I would cast those okay or I would I would print those even the stupid tongue which I told Jason was his scrotum the other day um I would uh I would maybe even print those cuz they're nice and small. You know, and you could put a bunch on a plate. Yeah. But again, to print or to cast a the whole piece, this was a 5 or 6 hour print. Okay? Yeah. And you ain't putting two on the plate. I mean, even this doesn't look that small. But you're not putting two of those on the plate. I can tell you that right now. Not at that size. Um, that being said though, I couldn't cast it like this. All right. I would be casting this in sections. So, you know, again, there, there's pluses, there's minuses, there's... there's
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, with those small parts, you'd be better mm-hmm. off because you could do a whole plate and get 10 sets of them right? and include those. And now you just saved a ton of money on silicone making molds for all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, which, like you said, would be hard to cast in the first place. Um, so I think if people use it like that, which some of these smarter guys are doing um they're 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 adapting and using it to speed up production or make better production kits um those are the guys that are probably going to do well um it's almost getting to the point where you remember when the pre-paints were were look coming into the hobby Mm -hmm. and you know that kind of caused a rift that's kind of where we're at right now but you know, you got your pre-paint guys and you got your garage kit guys. Some people don't want to invest money in in paints and time. They just want to buy it pre-painted, you know, stick it together and be done with it. Well, and there's uh, these uh, superhero guys that have these big
3: quarter-scale fan art pieces done. Yeah. And
2: they're paying, you know, they're only casting up like 20 of
3: them. And so the guys that are buying them are paying like $800 to $1,200 a piece just for the kit, but it's not really a kit. It's not really a, gr- they, you know, it's a whole different branch of things. And then they send them to somebody like John Allred or Riojas or something. And, um, you know, and then you're, you're ending up, you're probably dumping another twelve to $1,500 into a paint job. And at first I said, Ooh, how's this going to impact the garage kit hobby? Well, honestly, it hasn't at all because it's like two separate things. Even though it's a lot of the same stuff, it's two yeah. separate things, and I think you're still going to have some separation with this stuff. But yes, it's it's going to it's
0: going to creep in. Yeah, and, and I I mean, it, a lot of these producers could use this as another source of revenue. If you're a sculptor, you could sell files. You could sell files of the kit for people who want to three D print it at home. You could sell cast versions of the kit because some of these guys are printing a master and then they're Mm -hmm. casting, they're making a mold off that master and then casting it. That Mm -hmm. speeds up production. Um, So those are the guys that are kind of putting it in their arsenal of stuff. And I think those are the guys are kind of embracing it and are going to move along with the progression of it. Um, These people that are just holdouts that are old school that see it as a scourge on the hobby and you know it everything's going digital i mean (laughs) it is and now our our hobby's kind of heading into the digital era too where you can you know uh, and just having you know the ability to to have immediate help with these things too you know Mm um you know what's these kick guys that that actually maybe use 3D printed parts for their smaller parts so you buy a kit and you know Taz's tongue was broken when you got it you know the the guy could almost just send you the file of the tongue and you could print your own um you know uh you can't really go wrong with that because yeah you right. could sell you could you could share the file of the tongue but <laughs> right. if it's just a file of a tongue where's it going to go with so right. So that's kind of a, you know, almost a customer service thing where and that way you don't have to wait for a part to get mailed to your house in three weeks. Yeah. What I look at, too, um, for guys that build, you know, and do dioramas,
3: the stuff you can find probably out there is stupid stuff. I bet you can go out there and say 55-gallon drum, and and you can print it to... If you wanted a scale, six scale, one huh. thirty-fifth scale. I just found on Thingiverse
1: need. it was fifty-five gallon drums and gas cans. Yeah. And you could just scale them up and down if you need to. Yeah. You know,
3: and and all these guys for years have been scratch building it and kudos to them for the for the work they do. But um
0: man, would that be easy? You know, oh brick wall, yeah, i, I just print this, you know, and uh I actually along those lines, I actually found uh beakers and bottles um because the ones for the invisible was the invisible man kit um think of that i didn't even think of that Mm -hmm. yeah um you know they got the seam in them and they never look right because they got the seam on them so i uh some guy i think pointed me in that direction he said yeah just just print them in clear resin and now you have a perfect seamless bottle (laughs) or beaker or anything and (laughs) Yeah. You could print it in color resin, you know, clear and, and color You know, resin. that's where the
3: scanner could come in handy, okay, in that you could take those pieces off some of those old kits and scan them and print them in clear or, right. you know, whatever you wanted to do, or hollow them out if you want to light it up, you know, um, light up a part of it, hollow it up. I don't have a problem with that aspect of the scanning at all, Okay but you're going to see guys scanning whole kits and then you got to wonder what's going to happen with that you know uh, here's my billigan frankenstein hey look at this little frankenstein figure and it's like
0: a scan of the billigan you know
1: uh, that i have a problem like i i don't know
0: yeah i think we've talked at length about that a little bit and you know not to call people out but you can't I, I feel like even if you take a kit that's no longer in production and you scan it, alter it a little bit, and then sell it,
2: that's no different than a recast, in my mind. Yeah, I think um, so
0: too. I mean, yeah. Um, just because you shrink it down or enlarge it or, you know, pose mm-hmm. an arm, because, you know, with Blender that you can import a skeleton into a figure and repose it and it changes all the musculature to match and all that stuff so i scan an aurora frankenstein and then just move his arms up so he's you know doing the wave is that that a new kit
1: you know what i mean like it's gonna be weird it's gonna be a weird five years i think in the in in the grand scheme of things when everything kind of shakes out and i think it'll actually happen sooner than five years oh yeah um, any parting advice for somebody
0: research that's that's the biggest thing um research what you're getting into um and common sense you're dealing with <laughs> i mean yeah and like to go back with the safety thing it's a lot of the resins come out of china um i mean the cheaper ones you can get resins that are a hundred dollars a bottle that are like for dental and and you know casting and wax and but for our purposes the the $30 a liter resin is basically fine but it's coming out of foreign areas they don't have the safety regulations so the the safety data sheets are a little vague um and this is new stuff the resin's new stuff so, i hate to go to the
3: hospital with this and say uh. But, yeah well
0: <laughs> one guy got some on his arm and didn't realize it was there went outside and was oh. working in the yard and then it started burning because it was curing on his arm um and it's a it's it's a thermo reaction you know it's like super glue when you hit it with zip kicker it it or like sheetrock when you have your arm encased in it yeah yep. So, yeah. It, yeah, it's exactly like that. You got to use common sense. It's chemicals, you know, if you practice common sense like you do with any other chemical around your house and not huff it and wear gloves, you know. Not huff it, Jason.
3: Yeah.
1: It made me think huff. of Always Sunny and Charlie Huffing. Jamie, Pink. do you think it would be common sense
3: to take a. a what?
1: No, a we're not of, getting
3: into sparklers like. A thousand sparklers and lighting them it all wasn't at once.
1: A thousand sparklers? How many was it? 200, I think, something.
3: <laughs> and hold them and light them all at once. Wouldn't you think there's some common sense saying this is going to get
0: hot? There's a difference, though, between common sense and hold my beer moment.
1: That was a hold my beer uh, moment because yeah, it was so actually it was a hold my bottle of Jameson moment. Yeah. <laughs>
3: In which but, you didn't yeah. hold your own bottle of Jameson for a few weeks after that, I'm sure. So, oh, dude, yeah. it
1: was bad. All right. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. This has been great. Yep. Um, if anyone wants to find you or get a hold of you or have something printed, contact info, anything you want to share?
0: I'm on Facebook. Uh, my email's JSAJ1975 at Gmail. Um, look me up on Facebook, hit me through instant messenger. That's what most guys are doing. Um, cool. I have no problem helping people. Um, I can't guarantee I'll drive to your house an hour away to show you, but uh, you know, I've, I've walked a lot of people through the hardships and
3: uh, yeah. Jason came problems. over and helped me set up and he's just taking shit out of the box and throwing this out, throwing this out. I'm looking going, well, what is it? What is it? You know, and it's like, he's just throwing it out. Okay, here you go. You're ready to go. Just do this. <laughs> just do this. And I'm like, wait,
0: wait, wait. Stop. What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, the number one advice though when you do get a printer is the USB drive that is in, that is shipped with the printer just take it and throw it away.
2: I'm still using it. I'm still using it.
0: Are you using it still?
3: Yeah. See, I took it and put it on my hard drive already. Okay. So I've got the files backed up.
1: No, he just means that that thumb drive's a piece of and shit. And then
3: don't use this thumb yeah. drive for
1: shit.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah.
3: yeah. I
1: I've mean, been, I've been wanting it. to get like a 100 gig one, but I keep forgetting. I no, the printers normally like,
0: recognize, I think, like up to 32 gigabytes. 30, oh, see, that's a good
1: good to know. Yeah.
0: Which is more than enough. I buy yeah. I bought them in multi-packs from like Amazon. I think they're the Micro Center brand. Yeah. They got like four 32 gig ones for like 20 bucks. So that way I... I have two printers, so I can have two running all times. And while those are printing, I can have two dislikes to files too. So it's just a constant assembly who, line. I wonder who told me to get these. Yeah. Yeah, those <laughs> things are bulletproof, man. I mean, I spilled resin on mine and just wiped it off and still working. Yeah.
3: And, and I'll say this, and I would just forward Jamie's email, really, but Jamie gave me a um, – sent me an email with all kinds of cool stuff to buy, and I haven't regretted buying any of it um the rubber mat okay a matter of fact i bought a second one now oh yeah we didn't even cover that and uh what else um the uv light for hollow pieces you know when you have a hollow piece um whether you've got a cure station or what man it's hard to get that light to get in there so this thing will but again safety if you have a uv light of any strength get some uv safety glasses ten dollars on amazon jesus christ yeah there's uh there's some awesome stuff there's an fep um changer frame that jamie made for jason and i that's just awesome if you know somebody with a filament printer they can print it for you and um
0: yeah there's actually if you have a saturn size printer you can print that jig on the saturn Mm-hmm. um it comes in two parts to fit on the saturn plate Okay. But it's just cheaper to do it and fill them in if you can. But um, that thing comes in handy. And I know that that's one of those riffs, religious type, you know, like lube in your FEP sheet. Um, the the FEP jig, It's uh, I use a bottle cap. I use a sponge. I use a, you know, folded Bible page. Uh, you know, everybody's got a million ways to do these things. I, You know, what we've talked about here has worked for me probably work for you guys some of what you guys do probably work that i didn't try and before you change
3: your fep sheet no matter what you have to do it watch a video on them doing it because it's at least you weren't i wasn't going in blind and also for those of you not mechanically inclined that are art teachers um when they have little hex head allen head whatever you want to call them screws okay and they're tiny and they're chinese and make sure you put that wrench in those heads really good or you're gonna round them out you're gonna strip them out
1: it's i uh, that is screw's fault not screwers fault no that no they're shit screws all right we're not having this they are shit screws but wait well i'm not done (laughs) shut up so um and then
3: (laughs) The other thing I was worried about tightening those when you put the new FEP sheet on, I would say, Oh man, how do you know that these are tight enough that it doesn't leak? Well, when you start with this, this jig or whatever you start with, and you put that FEP sheet in, it it's big. So you end up cutting the edges off. But when you start tightening the screws, this thing gets tighter. and And I didn't realize that as you tighten it up, this thing gets tight like a drum. Anybody that's ever get, gets one of these things, your resin vat has this FEP sheet. When you hit it, it sounds like a drum if you touch it, you know, if you do a little with your fingernails. And if you talk into it, even you echo. Have you ever done that, Jamie? Have you ever held up and talked into it?
0: No, I, I usually hit it with a screwdriver handle or something. Yeah,
3: <laughs> but, you know, as, as you um tighten I usually it. usually
0: don't talk to clear sheets of plastic.
3: Hey, well, yeah. look what I'm dealing with okay so um but as you tighten it 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 pulls this fep sheet tight and that's really i think what's holding the resin in is the fact that this sheet is tight over the edges and the resin can't get through there so you don't have to go balls out tight when you're tightening this stuff up and um it, it really i was really intimidated when i had to do it but it really was easy so
0: um, yeah people seem to make it scary when you first oh i gotta change my set for the first time and it's like yeah you're literally undoing like 500 screws and then putting a piece of (laughs) plastic on and then putting 500 screws back in it, you know um people are you know it it, it's one of those hobbies where there's a million ways to do different things and everybody's way is the only way or the right way and if you don't do it that way oh geez (laughs) And the, um, and the biggest freak out I
3: had was when I got it done, I set it in there and I dropped the screws in to screw it down. I was like, oh, shit. And I didn't want to just force them through it. So I found something, I think a paper clip I took and poked it. Um, So the screws will go through the two holes. Yeah, I bought a,
0: I bought a pick set from Harbor Freight for like two bucks. And me too. Yeah. Just pop, 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 and they're done. But I my problem is, is I'll be doing the FEP and I get all the way around to the, and it takes a while to do with all the screws. Um, I get all the way around to the end, and then usually the Alan Keese, you know, um, comes out of my hand and puts a big divot in the FEP. <laughs> and I got to start over. Uh, that's happened a couple of times. But. Well, there Hopefully are a lot of FEPs. Yeah, are cheap. Yeah, the are cheap. Cheap. yeah. but there's, there's just, there's a lot of misinformation. I don't want to say misinformation, but.
1: There's a lot of wait. urban legends. What it's, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. A screen protectors. Point. Screen yeah. protectors is
0: uh, another one.
3: You yeah, got to have a screen. Yeah, got
1: to have a screen protector. I know. Yeah. It's, I just, don't know,
0: Jamie, have you had a resin spill yet? I printed almost a year and a half without a screen protector. Um oh. yeah, and uh, you wouldn't believe the black I was getting for this. I mean, it was like I was drinking in church or something, you know. and <laughs> you do what? Um yeah. Um I had a couple of, uh, leaks. Um, generally it's a tiny pinhole and I didn't even know it was leaking because I, I had a little bit on my screen and unlike the Mars printers, these don't have a piece of glass over them. Uh, it's just a pure polarizer sheet. So if you screw that sheet up, your screen's dead. Um, where the Elegoo Mars, it had a sheet of glass like your cell phone does. So you could essentially clean it off pretty easily. Mm. Um, And I lifted, I was changing resins, I think, and I I never clean out my vat, almost never, unless I'm going from like a regular (laughs) resin to, I'm going on like four months without even taking resin out of my vat. Jason's butt just
3: crunched Uh, up.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and I went to change from like gray resin to clear resin, so you gotta clean it a little bit. And I pulled it up and I saw a little bit of resin on my screen and I'm like, And this is back when you couldn't get screens. Um, I'm like, did I just kill it? Well, I basically built a little dam around the spill. It was hardened resin with um, a silly putty. And then I poured a little bit of IPA in there, isopropyl alcohol, and let it sit. And it softened it up to where you could take a plastic razor blade. And that's another item I think everybody should have. Um, these plastic razor blades. I think you get like a hundred razor blades and two handles for six bucks on Amazon. And they literally are are a razor blade, but it's made out of plastic. Um, And it scraped right off without damaging my screen. And me being me was like, meh, I'll just keep going. Uh, And then it happened again finally i was like i'll get a screen protector because you couldn't find screens um they're just now coming in stock now on amazon for yeah. what they were supposed to cost i think they're 70 bucks 80 bucks but um you couldn't find them for months because of the supply chain being broken um so yeah, yeah the screen protectors are definitely a, a must buy
1: cool repeat that contact info for us one more time uh jsaj 1975
0: at gmail and then i'm on facebook on facebook yeah. Well, thanks
1: for joining us. This has been great, and thank you for everything you've done for the show. We're glad we found you, and we'll have you on again, and we'll have this conversation again. Yeah, I'd like to see, see even if it's happens. not me coming
0: on, I'd like to see you guys continue with the three D printing segment because I
1: yeah, there's not a lot
0: of info out there for larger, and you've probably noticed this on on YouTube, everything's miniature based. Yep, there's very little mm-hmm. larger scale based videos out there and the ones that are uh, seem to have turned into a giant infomercial so
1: yeah I, um, i've noticed that too we'll, um, we'll think about that be i think nice to have a place
0: for that. somebody out there talking about the larger scale one cool. fifth one six one, one eighth stuff so
1: yeah absolutely all right have a great night man and we'll talk right, to man. you later thanks for having me see you hey. say goodbye scott goodbye oh thanks God, jamie so rude. Bye. Yeah.
3: <laughs> thanks jamie for coming on Thanks for all your help. Jamie has helped us a shit ton. A ton. <clears throat> He's also printed us some stuff. Yeah. Uh, with his FDM printers. So, again, thank you a ton. We owe you big time.
1: We do. We the do. guy <laughs> is
3: just—he likes helping people. He's a nice guy. Isn't that you weird? Know, he looks familiar, but I don't know that I've ever met him.
1: Isn't it weird so. to find someone that likes helping people? Yes, it is. It's very strange, especially, especially in these parts. Um. Next up, Todd Powell of Escape Hatch Hobbies.
3: Yep. First time I've ever talked to Todd. I know, I me too. Message messaged Todd a bunch of times. Here's a funny thing. Todd had a website at one point, and he interviewed me uh, for, you know, as a producer when I got going with the Moohead models. Okay. And he interviewed me and what he did basically was he sent me a list of questions and i don't know if it was a word file or whatever and then i just answered him and sent it back and that was the interview <laughs> and look how far we've come now look so, how far we've come here we are with todd powell escape hatch hobbies
1: and we're back with todd powell of escape hatch hobbies and scott's already laughing at me how are you todd i'm good how are you jason it's good i'm great scott how are you
3: I'm great. If I can get through another hour or so (laughs) of you mumbling through this, this will be great.
1: All right, cool. (laughs) Todd, thanks for joining us. We're just doing our this is our 3D printing primer episode. And we wanted to talk to a producer who has kind of incorporated into their business, into what they're doing. And so thanks for reaching out to us and kind of going through this with us. We won't spend that much time on everything, but I want to know what you're doing. Scott wants to know what you're doing and how it's changed your life, how it's made things better, how it's made things worse. Um and just give us a quick like just a quick backstory of Escape Hatch Hobbies.
4: A backstory of Escape Hatch Hobbies. Okay. Well uh I started up the company about four years ago when uh when Tom Parker died. He had cult of personality. He was uh his big business was uh, replacement parts for plastic model kits. I loved it. I've I'd always enjoyed what Tom did. Um, but I didn't do it myself very much because I didn't really want to challenge Tom, but when Tom passed, I went ahead and jumped into the business. Uh, and so I, I now have 20, 25 replacement sets that I sell. And I also do some, um, you know, some full kits, but, you know, let me show you how digital is already affecting this and how it's, it's, um, it's changed the way I do things. And first off, I should say Rob Madison about. I don't know. Early this year, late last year, he got in touch with me his with his Maddie the Mad Monster modeler, uh, which you guys have yeah, we'll have talked it. about. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to produce it. I said, "Great." Uh, and he was introducing me to Elagu the Mars Two. No, he had the Mars, the Elagu Mars. Okay, now I'm going to ask you guys real quick. A year ago, had either one of you heard of Elagu?
1: I had. Scott, I don't think has. I had not. No.
4: I hadn't, I hadn't heard of Elegoo. I hadn't heard of Frozen. I hadn't heard of Epax. I think I'd heard of any Cubic. Um, I used to work in a paleo lab where the boss was big into 3d printers and he spent lots of time and resources getting these big filament printers. I mean, these things were big enough to print, um, you know, like dinosaur bones. I mean, th- something this big, but th- they looked like they were made out of weed eater string. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were, they were a nice basic shape. Um, and I thought, well, that's not going to work for me. Uh, you know, it was nice that we had something we could sand forever and make it look like you know you could mirror image. If you had a right bone, you could mirror image it and make the left bone. And I just did that backward. I know my right and my left. Anyway, uh, but Rob was the one who got me introduced me to the idea that really these printers have come a long way. Um, I started doing some research, and now, of course, I've got four of them. And this is just since February that I've gotten these <laughs> operating. But anyway, the, so I, I was talking to Rob. I remember he was saying, you know, he thought maybe I should go ahead and just print some of the stuff that he was doing. He was specific, he got these little itty bitty pieces of glass, you know, jars in this kit. And I was I was honestly, you know, wounded my pride, man, I'm, I'm a caster. I know what I'm doing. I can make a silicone mold. You send me the stupid pieces of whatever they are, and I'll make a mold for it. And they're a pain in the ass. And 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 these little these little uh, these little Maddy figures that come with it, they've got these brittle toes. Freaking things keep breaking. And uh, (laughs) you know where I live in particular, it's cold. You know you 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 print something this big, and it's got a toe this big. You break toes. Yeah. So I finally <laughs> said, Rob, you know, I've got my own little Mars 2 now. Mars 2 Pro is actually what I have. Can, can you just send me those files? Let me see how this works. And I was making these little legs one at a time, you know, in a, in a mold that had like six pieces in it. And, you know, of those six pieces, two would come out with a, bro- a broken finger, a broken toe, whatever. Um, so he sent me this, and I realized that I could print, like, can you see that at all? Yeah. I could print like 30 of these things in two hours. And the toes were all there. And, you know, I could clip them off with my little clippers. And then I started messing with it some more. I found out about Jasper Anderson, the sculptor, digital sculptor. Um, he, just on his own, he did this little replacement head. There, there it is, my bread and butter. He did a replacement head for the, uh, the Haunted Manor gravedigger. This looks more like the caretaker from the Haunted Manor. You know, it's a really uh-huh. nice little head and he sent me a digital print, you know, something he printed himself and I made a silicone mold. It's a good mold, you know, and I've, I've made quite a few of these in this mold and great, you know, but still, even if I'm going moving nicely, I, I only did one. I didn't do a gang mold. I just did a one one mold and actually made a couple, but still, at most I'm putting out from each mold five five of these a day. But then I asked Jasper if he wanted to do a Phantom of the Opera, a Cheney Phantom of the Opera, for the Play It Again Sam kit, you know, the classic Haunted Manor kit. And he did it for me. And I said, just send me the STL. He sent it to me. And I can now, now i got this nice little Cheney Phantom head. And I printed 40 of them, again, in two hours. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to small stuff, my life is much easier. Because I don't have to, I don't have to mix all this stuff and every. I mean, I, I do have to deal with the fact that these printers are really fiddly. Still, 40 of these and 40 masks, you know, two hours. I had them all, and, and then I thought, well, you know, the Polar Lights Phantom, my my best seller of all time is this James Bama style Phantom head that Chris Wooten sculpted for me back in 2010. And I've I've sold ridiculous numbers of those, about 500 of them, because the Polar Lights Phantom has the worst head you know, possibly of any styrene kit ever, but the rest of it's pretty cool. Well, Scott, would you agree with that? You know, is that a bad head? Yes. yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, it's, it's horrible. I, I've got it around here somewhere. I wish I could show you, but the thing is what, what occurred to me was, well, somebody occurred it to me was I've got a 3d printer, you know, and 3d printers aren't confined to the size that you got it. So I took it and I blew it up about 1.7 times. and this this is actually a little too big. I've got another one that fits, and I'll I'll slice it off, you know, to to get because the Polar Lights Phantom, among other things, has no neck. Um, but 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 I'll I'll reconfigure it in a little, a little epoxy putty, and uh, this is going to become a Polar Lights Phantom head. And again, I don't know if you can see it, but Jasper's a hell of a sculptor, and so now I've got a really nice Cheney head that I can you know make available for this polar lights kit before too long um you know the kit's been out of production for 20 years so who knows but i i'll sell enough to be worth what i already have in hand and i will just make the regular silicone mold out of this i can't i still don't know digital sculpture
1: cost-wise what's the difference between traditional casting and molding versus so far what you've found out with 3d printing
4: Well, cost-wise, when you're at the place where I am right now, which I, I imagine is the place where you guys are too, since you you started just really a couple months after I did, 3D printing is the most expensive thing I've ever done in my life. <clears throat> but uh, that's just because I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of an ass when it comes to this stuff. Um, my I, I was an English major, you know. I, Scott made made his living actually using his hands and doing things, but I spent 20 years typing, so <laughs> I had a lot to learn. But that's what I'm doing now, fortune, by the way. That's, typing. That's, that's what I'm doing now. For, yeah, it's I went back to the same place and they had me
2: do a <laughs> computer. So, but yeah. Cool.
4: The thing, you know, the thing is, I was, uh, when I got into this hobby, I really threw myself into it because it was just fascinating to me and it was fun. Mostly it was fun. And I learned how to make molds uh, with a lot of help from you know, some uh, some long distance friends, William Paquette helped me a ton. Rob Rotundi is, is ridiculous. He was my guru for about six months answering question after question. Um, and a lot of what I learned making molds then, it applies to these things, you know? So you learn how to angle things. You learn that the top of the head is not necessarily the top of something when you're considering a mold. That's not necessarily the high point. And the same is true of these things in a slightly different way. I mean, you know, like I've got this, um, oh, where's a great one, this, this Morning Monster thing right here, um, and I have these chain links all over it. That okay. right there is not something I would ever want to do in a silicone mold. Every single one of these loops is going to catch silicone in it, and I got to do some kind of trick to get it out and to get it not to catch a bubble and all that stuff, but still, the basic knowledge is there. So here's a mold I, I did. This is what I don't know. Maybe 10, to, 10 bucks worth of material, and it took me think, thirty minutes maybe to set it up. Um, and hopefully it'll work. You know the castings that I'll get out of it. Uh, the The resin is cheaper than than this three D resin. You know this three D the the resin that of course resin prices are way up. You can get ten gallons of uh, the, the material that I'm using. After it's been shipped to you, it's a little more than 500 bucks, which is a lot of money. But still, I got this one kilogram bottle of uh, 3D resin, and that's uh, about 36 bucks from Soraya Tech. And that's Mm -hmm. actually a really good price for this stuff. But once, when I'm moving right, you know, when I'm in a groove, first off, when I'm doing something like my little phantom head, you know, and I print 40 of those at once, okay, my total invested material there is. I don't know, less than five bucks to print 40 of these things. And there's not a single dud. You know, they're all fine. And I don't have, I didn't spill any of it, hopefully. Um, (laughs) You know, if I'm doing the job right for projects like this, it makes a lot more sense to me. And this, this is a solid piece. I didn't hollow it out or anything. These morning monsters, this kind of stuff, you know, I'm I'm still figuring stuff out. I'm I'm messing with my settings all the time, but still, you know, I mean, it takes my machine fifteen twenty hours to to print these things. But you know, you you put it to work at five p.m. and it goes twenty hours, fifteen hours until it's done. Um, and you look around and you realize you've accumulated quite a few of them, and you didn't even know it was happening. Um, I, I got the flex plates, You know, this one. This thing rises up out of the tank. I come in, pop it off, put it back on, make sure my resin level's good, hit print again. There we go. What's wasted so far is just what I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and there's a lot I don't know. And, and, and I definitely am playing catch up in a lot of ways. I mean, with my crowd, you know, I'm, I'm in my, my mid-50s. The guys who are looking for the Aurora stuff, they still don't have too many options. You know, there aren't too many people out there doing Boris Karloff digitally. So I, I'm in pretty good shape right now. But some of these guys who've been whipping out this Warhammer stuff and the loot studios and things like that, I, I wish I could go spend a couple of days watching what they do. Which is the same way I felt about my Mark Brokaw, you know, four years ago. I would I would have loved to go and just hang out in his shop and see how he makes molds. I still would. Yeah. But um <laughs> <That's> would what... <laughs> I. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a learning curve, but it's not as steep and I, as it and was I think two months ago.
1: That's probably the big thing I noticed. And we'll talk more about this with Jamie, too, is the learning curve is very, very steep. And if you don't have that, like. I, I build I've built my two gaming computers, three gaming computers, and I, it's kind of like that where you're adjusting settings one step at a time to see if something works. And if you don't have that kind of brain to be like, OK. I have enough patience to sit here and fiddle with this for a little while and then wait 20 hours to see if it works and then go back and adjust mm-hmm. something to try it. You have, it's a, it's a different mindset. And it's, I'm not saying there's a right and a wrong because you have your guys that are like, I just want, I just want a model kit and I don't want to have to do this and I don't want to, I just want this and that's fine. I just, for people like me, it's a whole second hobby. And it's like the slicing software where you have to build your supports and stuff. To me it's almost mm-hmm. like a it's like an OCD game where I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out and, and and push buttons to make something work, and I like that. It gets annoying after the sixth time of something not working,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: it, it, it and it's not it's not for everybody and I go back Larry Brackney said that a long time ago it's not it's not for everyone it's not as easy as you think because when people see could you hold up that supported one again that you had just so that kind of mm-hmm. that people see when yeah you have this is that's how it goes talk about that for a second
4: mm -hmm. well yeah i'm happy to talk about that because the truth is what you're saying that's that's right that's my opportunity right now the fact that there are more and more people with their uh with their saturns or their you know their their mars 2s or their you know their their sonic mighty 4ks Mm -hmm. with a stack of who knows what on top of them people get sick of these things in a hurry now 10 years from now, these things are going to be as easy to operate as a microwave and probably just as common. But right now, I've got an opportunity because, you know, I'm going to have, I've got a, a, you know, a fifth printer coming and this thing is a monster. Um, Right now, I've got an opportunity that I can, I'll still pay the sculptors. You know, my same job I've always had as a producer. I pay somebody to make something for me. He just sends it to me a different way. And then I have an opportunity to print it out myself or Hire out the printing to somebody else if that's what I feel like doing. Um, and then I've got my product that I finish up, you know, trim off all these supports, and I can also offer it in multiple sizes if I want to. Uh, you know, here's two of the Frankenberries. This is the 75 millimeter. He's going to come on the market soon. Um, and I mail it out. That's again, that's my opportunity right now as a producer. But yeah, supports and man you just so many lessons to supports. So I'm using Chit Box. Mm-hmm. Are you guys using Chit yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, when you build supports, it's just like, again, when I was doing a, a mold the way I did a mold and I learned most of my mold making was done in the paleo lab where I had to consider not just what I could work with, but what everybody who I worked with and who would be working there for the next 10 years was going to be able to handle. But, you know, I, as far as escape hatch goes, I'm about three quarters of the staff, and my wife is the rest of it. And she does most of my prep work. So she's been learning all this stuff about 3D prints and how to prep them.
2: Oh man! And here's the I thing, you treat... know?
4: Aww. Yeah. Don't you wish Jamie get in on? Yeah.
2: that? See, <laughs> uh. so the will thing never is, happen. you know, the... never. Never. No. <sighs> You're you know, a lucky the, man. You...
4: <laughs> yeah, I am. You, you, the, the work that I mean, yeah, every single one of these stupid little strands represents time that I spent finding a place on this sculpture that had. I mean, I'm not going to get too big into the technicality. The stuff, the stuff that I had to learn about islands, and the really horrible mistake it is to overlook a support, you know, and how you can yeah. wreck things. Um, but. <sighs> I wanted to, you know, I'm tempted to use auto supports. I don't have the best computer for doing this. Um, So I I started doing manual supports. I I learned how to do them by watching YouTube channel, 3D Printing Pro. That guy, he's he's got some great tips on this stuff. Yeah. And he's got a thing called insane support settings. And I looked at that, uh, you know, adjusted things, trying to learn. The point is, you know, when you end up with something like this, You want to be able to come into those fingers. And usually I do this a little bit warmed up, but, you know, it's best if you could just kind of peel it off. Yeah. You know, because, and and so you've got to, you've got to use a small support there or, you know, you got to know what, what the support will hold. Because, you know, this thing's actually upside down and it's been put on a sheet of plastic and then pulled off. I still don't understand how these little (laughs) things are holding some of it, you know, I, I mean. What it makes no sense. And and I think this question I'm gonna
1: ask is for both of you because you're both you're both traditional molders. In terms of time of building a mold versus doing supports in a computer, what's the difference? Like how is one easier, one harder? They both different things time wise. What do you think, Scott? Well, I think it's
3: easier to sit in a computer and put supports in (laughs) than it ever is claying something up and putting the box around it not think that that's hard work but you just sit back listen to music yeah i'll put one here i'll put one here um so I, yeah it's a totally different animal um for sure and i, I want to interject on one thing todd said he prints 40 of those heads at once and keep in mind once you cast 40 things in a silicone mold you start to get a lot of mold um, you know, it starts to degrade the mold. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many Todd usually gets out of a, you know, out of a piece, but usually you're around 50 is your magic number when you start to get stuff. And even on especially small pieces like that, I'm sure you get little chunks here and there that, oh, this little chunk by the ear, I'll have to clean all those up now. So the nice thing about the digital in that case is, like he said, 40 of them come up flawless, and... You're good to go, snip and ship, you yeah. know, right? Um, right. So, um, but yeah. So as far as molding, you know, a difference. This is cleaner, and and hey, you could take your laptop into your house. You don't even have to be in your shop
4: and do it. Well, and if I'm thinking in terms of uh, like this again, morning monster, if if I'm trying to if I'm trying to clay this up, first thing I'm gonna do is cuss at somebody for giving me these chain links. But then what <laughs> I got to do is I got to consider. Okay, what I, how would I do this? I'm going to be trying to put little vents all through all this stuff, and I'm going to be gluing things on there or, you know, glue, 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 and, and I'm going to be lucky if it doesn't fall off or stick to my finger. You know, the, the worst that happens, well, the worst that happens is that I overlook a support, and it screws up the print. But generally what happens is, you know, I, I, I inspect these things from every angle before I, I call it good so you know i'm I'm not really likely to you know, to end up with that big a problem so it it's 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 easier uh, and yeah for sure it's it's this part of the job when you're just using your laptop, you can do it you can do it in your bed you know right before you go to bed at night you don't have to be in a specific place to do it you don't have to have you don't have to have the super glue and the light that you're focusing and maybe the magnifiers and all this stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a trade-off every, lots of people, I'm sure you you hear this all the time, you know, people who are saying, I like the old way. I like my, I like it. I like clay sculptures and that's all I want to hear about. Um, it it is, it's a different animal and, and, and I'm not, I'm not painting the Sistine Chapel. You know, what I'm doing here is I'm making toys for middle-aged men. Um, so Yep. This is this is a this is a nice new tool to have. I'm not giving up making the old-fashioned molds. I'm not giving up working with clay sculptors, uh, but although I will note that there are fewer of them all the time. You know, the few that are left who are still interested in working with garage kits, they're busy as hell. Yeah. You know, you, you I, I've been waiting two years for for a couple projects to get done from from you know I, great guys. I know they're going to do a wonderful job. They're just really busy. Yeah, And there's, there's not many other alternatives. All the other guys have either retired or moved on. they moved to digital. Meanwhile, there are thousands of digital sculptors. And then you got a whole new raft, a bunch of things to watch out for, because you don't know any of these people, and they don't know your concerns. And they might be in, I don't know, Zimbabwe, and they might sell you a digital sculpture they'll never send you, but who knows?
1: Yeah, I, I, There is a lot of pushback, I've noticed, from garage kit guys. And I, I kind of one of the reasons I want to do this episode is to kind of alleviate some of those fears. I don't think it's going to replace garage kits. I think it's a new way of doing certain things. And I think it's an opportunity to do things better sometimes even, and to open up the audience to people that never knew we even existed. And I, I don't get the pushback. I, well, I kind of do because there it's your traditional it's, it's a very, hobbies are protected. They always are. Bringing in new people, everyone's like, "Oh, we're we're the old crowd. We got to do it my way." And I think if people can kind of just go, "All right, there's a there's a place for this," and I think exactly what you're doing fits. Uh, Making forty heads at once is a is a hell of a lot easier than doing one or five in a day, and having to redo that mold after forty. Right. Um, Right. And I think it's a bright future. I really do. And i I think it's going to bring a lot of people back and I think it's going to invigorate some people who might find stuff. Like I'm finding stuff I've never like thought would be kits in the, in the digital realm, Uh you know? And, and I'm a young, I'm on the younger end of this. (laughs) And so a lot of stuff I like, nobody likes. And I can find that one guy that made a digital sculpt of it and there it is. And I can print it out and it's Uh good for me.
3: Oh, if I see one more Harry Potter fucking digital sculpt, I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) But like you said it's it's where it is and todd let me i want to ask your thoughts on this and this is kind of where i am with it first of all you can incorporate both and i know you talked about um your box art hulk that's forthcoming um you're going to cast the base in traditional resin okay yeah and then uh the rest will be digital but um and that makes sense to me oh you know because. Mm-hmm. That's a piece that you can pour in minutes and, and pop out maybe three or four in an hour if you had to. Okay. Right. Where if you were printing that because of the size and because of the angle you have to put it at, you're probably looking at an eight hour print and he'd be forever where with the rest of the kid, he can put multiple parts on the bed he can't with that, and, I, and if I'm wrong, tell me. But that's kind of what i figure your thought you're, process.
4: Is. You're so exactly right. I don't have,
3: yeah, yeah. So there's incorporation <laughs> that can be done.
4: This is the the base for the the morning monster right here, and it's just an old fashioned so, you know silicone mold resin casting. So yeah, I, and you're right. I can I can make them, make them forever. The mold took me minutes to make. So mm-hmm. true?
1: And that I mean that goes back to the. I, oh man, I I don't have the name off the top of my head, but I've gotten now two kits, one from Stan arts and one from, oh, I can't remember, but again, it has resin parts and it has 3d printed parts. Things that are like things that you could never, ever cast because they would break. Like you said, like this is from Ed Bradley and they're in here, these two little antenna that are for the grasshopper guy that you couldn't, you couldn't mold those ever.
4: Well, Uh, it's, it's not the future of the hobby. It's, it's the now. You know, just just because these young people who are doing it are not doing Bela Legosi kits, they're still doing the basics. They're still buying the kits, you know, getting the kits one way or another. They're building the kits and they're painting the kits. It's the same thing. It's just, it's the hobby. We don't whittle model airplanes like our fathers did or our grandfathers in your case, Jason, and <laughs> and our kids do not build, you know, the Universal Frankenstein monster. That's it, yeah. things have moved on, but it does continue.
3: Yeah, and, well, and I yeah. think. You know, for stuff like quarter scale busts and one six scale figures, I I think it's gonna be hard for this to replace it, as far as for a production. If if you're gonna sell them as a production thing, and even your uh your morning monster there, you know that's on the big end of that. Um, because of how long that takes, your production is limited to you know now you've got four printers, but if it's someone starting out with one printer, you got to look at that and say if i got silicone molds, I can make five a day. Now, granted, again, because of the uh, constraints you would have silicone molding that this is really the best and only way to go. But, you know, when I look at if you took just a basic Jeff Yeager Frankenstein, uh, like your Glenn Strange kit, um, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be forever printing that and where you oh, yeah. probably, I don't know how many you can make in a day, but you know, you could probably I'm sure pump out three or four a day if you, pumped it really well. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it would take you a whole day to print one of those. I would imagine, you know, I, I, well, th- those are Aurora scale. I'm sorry. That's not one six scale, but you know, the point I'm trying to it, make it
4: takes a long time.
3: Yeah. It, it's not going to replace things like that. Okay. But I think you're going to see a lot of mix. I, I do think you're going to Cer- see a lot of mix mm-hmm.
4: certainly stuff like George's uh, wall hangers. George, George Stevenson, Blackheart models, that, you know that stuff. Yeah, it, the 3D printers are not going to make sense for that. Yeah. Uh, this big printer that I've got coming would probably print five of them at once uh, of my Frankenstein, you know, my my strange Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. But you know, th- then my LCD is going to give out, and I got all kinds of problems. So no, yeah, absolutely, the traditional resin casting is staying in the mix while I'm in. You know, I've got a few years left before I hang it up. So yeah, it's it's not going away.
1: I think my last question. How do you feel about, let's say you have a sculpture and you want to sell it traditionally cast one, but what if someone wants the STL to print it themselves? Would you be open to selling a resin kit for those who want a resin kit and a file for people who would want a file?
4: Uh, yeah, I'm still thinking hard about that, but for now, my inclination is the STLs do not get out of my control yeah. because you know, all it takes is just one person to put it on thingiverse and you're done. Um you know it, it's it, it's a can of worms right now uh we'll see how things oh no, evolve okay, yeah, certainly sorry. things like the subscription services that are building loot studios and that kind of stuff where people are subscribing and they get they get something every month that's cool, but I don't even understand that because they're putting like they're putting out these packages of like fifty sculptures every month <laughs>
1: yeah
4: um I, which
1: and it's great stuff but I think they have teams of guys working. Mm. I, that's what I, I really yeah. think. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and you suppose they're like sharing profits? I mean, how do you pay for all that?
1: Yeah, I think that's anyway, probably what it is.
3: Man, certainly this is meant as no disrespect to any digital sculptor out there, but, you know, these, these clay sculptors are used to getting X amount of dollars for a, a clay sculpt, and I think they think that, Hey, a digital scope's going to fetch that same dollar amount. And I don't know that it is in today's world. Um, the, the stuff I'm buying for $15 a piece, I'm like blown away by. So it's, you know, I'm on a Patreon for $5 a month. You have access to like 300 files, you know, and it's like, and the guy's got mm-hmm. 800 followers. So he's raking in four grand a month, but you know, wow, how do you get to that point? And then then he says, yeah, don't don't sell the STL, but you can print and sell as many as you want. And I'm like, what the
1: hell? All right, Todd, thanks for joining us. This has been great. Uh, I hope you kind of alleviated some fears of other producers, maybe to dip their toe in there. Um, Again, thanks for trying new stuff and thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you very much for having me. It's been a ball. So I look forward to watching the episode.
1: Uh, Where can people find you?
4: Uh, escapehatchhobbies.com is my website and my webmaster is harry spock malone from the clubhouse <laughs> he has made my business I, I cannot thank the guy enough he does it oh man he has a ball with that stuff but you can also find me on facebook uh escape hatch hobbies or todd powell cool Look for me there
1: and thanks for the donation for the taurus
4: yep oh you know i gotta give rob credit for that. <laughs> that that came from rob madison he is he is as you say the the the, the greatest guy in the world. Yeah, he is. So, he is. So, but I'll send some else your day. Cool. Time, so.
1: Excellent. Well, man. have a great night. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us, right. man. Take care, Todd. Bye. Thanks. Okay, great. I think Todd has uh, shown people the way actually. Um, he's using it as a tool for where it works and where it doesn't. He's still doing his casting. So I, I think there's a lot of good information in there. And again, thanks to both of our guests for coming on. Uh, we really do appreciate it.
3: And that morning monster, that's a that's a prime example of you
1: could never cast those chains on that thing. Never. You could, but you could nuts. A, well, yeah, it'd be a pain in the ass. All right, emails and corrections. Scott, do we have any
2: corrections? Did we fuck anything up last time? I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, nah, we're good. Go I ahead, you can... read Phil's email. Oh, may I? So, as always, Phil
3: emailed us and sent us some photos after the last episode. And we're going to start this off because I get to read
2: it because of the way this starts off. Hey, guys,
3: another one under your belts. Keep them coming. Jason, I'm a big dog lover, and I say to you, you
1: die. So hold on. So he's wishing me dead. Wishing me dead. I wouldn't
2: know. He didn't say. I I'm wish you die. Uh, no, okay. he just
1: tells me to die. All right. Well, we'll continue. If you're gonna hate, do- hate on dogs, yes.
3: I bet you are afraid of dogs, just <laughs> right. like our friend Kurt.
1: Okay. Okay. Stop right there. I am not afraid of dogs, and I caught so much dog <laughs> flack from the dog.
3: Cipriano is never coming on again. And that's All right. his All right.
1: fault. I don't get it. All right. I I'll have it. Tony on without right. him. I-, I am not afraid of dogs. Here is my evidence. This is me passed out with two Great Danes. That's
3: great. Those were your bestiality days when you would drink a
1: lot. Okay. And they just have their way with me. Were yes. you
3: naked under the
1: covers there? I, I just. Uh, no. Don't think so.
3: I bet you woke up sore the next day. <laughs>
1: Oof. I did because of the night before. I um, bet you did. I think that's the night I threw up out of the car window on the way home in the morning. Anyway, go ahead. Not afraid of dogs.
3: No, yeah, that's called passed out. That's not called afraid of dogs. I'm
2: not afraid of dogs. Yeah, I'll tell you
3: what. If I was you, I would have been afraid of dogs when I woke up and saw those two big giant dogs on me because I'd have been saying, what did these dogs do to me last night?
1: <laughs> I was chased by an Irish setter as a kid. That scared the shit out of me, but I'm not afraid of dogs. I had dogs. Had so, so
3: now you don't like the Irish. Great. Hold on.
1: Uh, that's, ooh, that's a long running story. I'll bet you it is. Can I finish this? Go ahead.
2: Great. You die. Sorry, I wanted to pick
3: up. I wanted to pick up where we left off. You die. I bet you are afraid of dogs, just like our friend Kurt. Truth be told, my dog Cooper, a golden retriever. I think you would love him. I know he would love you. He loves everybody. Yeah, so Kurt don't like it because the dog goes up and puts his nose in his crotch. And I'm thinking to myself, what a good dog. Unlike our poor cat Mingus, who I just love the 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 Mingus with the dingus, um, who we lost to cancer about a year ago, who would run into our closet and shook with fear at the sound of all the illegal fireworks that people fired off around us. Cooper is still able to tolerate the fireworks. I do agree with you that barking dogs, whose lazy human owners are so inconsiderate of others and let their dogs bark on and on. Do bother my sanity. Well, it's nice to know something does. We used to have neighbors that would leave their dog barking all day while they went off for the day to work or whatever. But I digress. That's right, Phil.
1: Okay. Get back. Can I respond to this part real quick? So a lot of the people, and I even got text messages from people after watching. Them. That's awesome. Anybody want his number? Yeah. No, 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 no. Put that away. So they were blaming it on the owners. And my response to that is, yes, a shitty owner will have a shitty dog that I will hear. If a shitty owner has a hamster, I will never know about it.
3: Great. That's your logic, huh? It is. So we're right back to you hating dogs.
1: No, I don't hate dogs. I hate loud dogs. (laughs) Let's do this. And when Phil showed me the picture of his dog, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, all that fur all over the place. How can you be a modeler and have fur floating around your house all the time?
3: Have you looked under your
2: lips?
1: Yeah, but it's not on my model, kids.
2: How do you know? Have you ever sat on... Okay, we got to keep going. Go ahead.
3: Your UFO story. What were you drinking that night? I do believe, though. Love that Yosemite Sam figure. It's nice to see some nice, fresh, sculpted subject matter. Namely oh, cartoon did you just characters. mumble?
1: Oh, oh, boy. Blur, blur. <laughs> <laughs> not so easy, is it? Stupid bastard!
3: How's <laughs> a so stupid bastard? All right, hold on. I'll read it like Jason would. Oh no! <laughs> okay. All right. Love that Yosemite Sam figure. It's nice to see some nice, fresh subject matter, namely cartoon characters being produced as figure kits. Right, Scotty? Righty, Phil. The Robert Trock interview. He does some great bases and bashing of figures. Personally, I don't care for some of his dioramas. The ones like his diorama of miracles, sorry, Robert, but those are just like Transformers movies. Too many figures, too much going on. Well, I think that's the
1: purpose of it, though. Oh, but I think there's some beef starting now with Phil and Robert. Yeah, Let's go. Yeah, Phil, Robert's in pretty good shape. So, I'm just saying. Yeah. Beef. I like your
3: less complicated dioramas, like the King Kong versus Godzilla, my favorite Kaiju movie. I'm happy for you that you have the space for the, those monster dioramas. No pun intended. Most of the Kaiju monsters that I've built over the years, though, I like them. Most of those I built for others. In honor of Robert's love for Kaiju, I've attached photos for the listeners gallery. So at the end, you can see some of uh, Phil's Kaiju work. Kaiju? Kaiju? Mm-hmm. Kaijou.
1: Kaijou. mm-hmm. Kaiju? Kaiju. Kaiju.
3: Thanks for the tips on what you use for building your base work. Jason, I commend you for staying awake during Robert and Scotty's conversation. Comic conversation. Yeah, whatever, Phil. Okay. Just because you can't read. Hey, I stay awake through these long Phil letters. <laughs> okay. Concerning an email from a fellow modeler who poo-pooed B-movie monster models, B, he neglected to tell us, What figures in particular he would like to see made as figure kits? Some that he has interest in. Maybe some that we might not care for and maybe do some poo-pooing of our own. If he would send in for the viewers gallery some photos of kits he's built so we can see what kind of characters he likes, maybe some sculptors and kit producers might see them and make it happen for him and other modelers.
1: Wow, beef all over the place. So, Man, Phil was feisty this time. Yeah, night.
3: he's feisty this time. Well, he's getting ready to move, so that's really stressful.
1: Yeah. So, um, so Logan Torres has the next email, and he's talking about uh, how 3D model printing might destroy Sideshow and NECA and some of the pre-painted company. From my perspective, Sideshow is a big grift operation using substandard materials, roto casting their statues, and charging a premium price. While you can get a solid 3D model of fifty percent less from printing. Uh the hollow resin model method Sideshow is using is the same method they use in those cheap garden statues. My mother has a few and they broke easy. Maybe the same factory. And Sideshow will eventually outprice itself. Maybe garage kits can have revenge after all. Um the funny thing about this email is the day I got this I was reading on one of the statue forums a huge thread of over, It was like 200 or more comments of people getting out of this statue-collecting hobby uh, and why people were leaving it. And it wasn't... I think 3D printing has something to do with that, but they said it's the shipping prices. And they are art pricing themselves. And when one of those big statues comes in, you're paying almost double because it's costing to ship that thing as much as it is to buy it, which now worries me about something I have coming, if it's going to Well, and
3: especially... The XM pieces, I think, come from overseas. And
1: yeah, and that's what they're saying. The overseas shipping was ridiculous.
3: And so, yeah, that stuff definitely. As far as the hollow casting, it's a tough call because sideshow isn't traditionally casting resin pieces. You know, they're they're porcelain. They're mass produced, just like a precious moment statue or yeah. any other statue you would buy from a gift shop. It's the only way to even keep it I don't want to say affordable because some of that sideshow stuff is is really expensive. But I can't imagine what it would be if it was solid. Okay. Yeah. And of course it's gonna break if you drop it or huh, put it outside. So I, I I mean I get where he's going with it, but I don't necessarily fault them for
1: I don't either. I think that casting something I think they're doing it the only way they can feasibly do it. The problem is, is, I think their problem
3: is size. But again, a lot of the superhero collectors want want. quarter-scale stuff. What they want. And so when you put a quarter-scale piece, you package it in styrofoam so it won't get damaged in shipping and then put a box in it, around it. And have to engineer it so
1: you can ship it.
3: Okay. It's going to weigh, it's going to have some heft. But understand, UPS and the post office pricing more by package size than they are actual weight yep so as soon as your package goes bigger than 12 inches on every any dimension on a box it
2: changes the price yep for the post office so again
3: i have a zillion bowen pieces and even some of those boxes are huge but the bowen pieces were more like one-eighth scale You know, they weren't one six. They weren't one quarter. So you guys keep wanting that quarter scale stuff. Sideshow's playing to their market. Yep. And I can't blame them for that.
1: I can't either. All right. Our next email uh, is from Greg. And we have learned how to say his name. It's not Domian, It's Damian. So Greg Damian uh, sent us a really cool email. And this has, well, the first part does. The second half has nothing to do with model kits, but. This is one of those times I'm going to be self indulgent for you and I because this interests both of us. Um, so I'll read you the first part. Hey guys, another great show with lots of interesting and wonderful stuff emanating from your craziness.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, maybe you guys need to hit the road and do some comedy clubs. I'll kill them halfway there. Well, at least you guys can make me laugh. Love the interview with Robert. Funny that you know someone's work and have seen it, but have never known who did it or their background stories. To me, It is one of the gems of your podcast, introducing followers to important people in the hobby who, unless you have been in the hobby for a long time, would not have known them about them or that a handful of big hitters such as Terry Webb, David Fisher, Mike Parts, etc., all of them. One of the main reasons I enjoy your podcast, keep it up. Would love to see Robert finish that gargantuan diorama. Love the idea he had of letting other painters complete. A specific kit within that dial looks like a Tom Sawyer deal to me. It is total wash whitewashing the fence, Tom Sawyer. That's totally what that is, but I like the idea too. So he didn't want me to read this part and he just kind of shared this with me, but I really want to show these pictures because they're awesome. Uh, and And Greg took these pictures, which is even cooler. So I'm going to get into this, bear with my mumbling. Now, this di- next dissertation is for Scott, and you may not want to post this part on your show, but fine if you do. Disco demolition, I was also there. I did not go for the disco, so any so as any lifelong Sox fan, going to a doubleheader to see two games for the price of one was always top on the list. At the time, I did not put anything into the disco demolition Steve Dahl was planning. Pretty much what he was doing at a lot smaller locations, destroying disco, re- disco records was par for him, so he didn't think the ballpark thing was going to be that big until I was on my way to the park. Luckily, I did not drive and took the bus to the game. As we subsequent trans- <laughs> stops, more and more younger folks got on the bus carrying records. Seemed that if you bought a disc brought a disco record to, to be destroyed, you could get into the park for 99 cents. By the time I think we- it was 98,
3: actually: Nine- was it 98?: <laughs> Well, because the loop was FM 90- oh, 97.9.
1: Yeah. By the time we got to the park, the bus was filled and the outside of the park was crawling with thousands of ne'er-do-wells with disco records slithering into the park. As, as was the case back in the late 70s, the Sox were not a big draw. So buying a general admission ticket and then wandering my way down to the field level boxes was simple. So Scott's story of what happened that night was pretty spot on. So I won't go into any more detail other than along with about 15,000 other Sox fans. I was sitting, dodging, ducking, flying disco records between being thrown by 40,000 moronic motherfuckers during the first game. Can't tell you how many cherry bombs went off or the guy climbing the outside of the foul pole from the second deck. I had brought my camera to the game to shoot the action since I was so close to the field. I did manage to capture some interesting shots I've attached to the letter. Photo number one is pre-game with Harry Carey interviewing Lorelei the loop girl, along with Steve Trout, the starting picture from the game. Seems he was very interested in Lorelei.
3: <laughs> oh, I can't blame him. Back yeah, then, yeah, they, oh, yeah. she was beautiful. And uh, for all you Cubs fans out there, Harry Carey started with the White Sox. Yep. A lot of people don't know that, but yep. he started with the White Sox.
1: Photo two is Steve Dahl, along with Lorelei being driven to home plate between games to set off the big explosion of disco records. Lorelei seems quite happy to be there by the big smile on her face. Photo. It's also
3: Gary Meyer next to her. Is that Gary Meyer in there? That's what I
1: thought. Uh, (laughs) Third photo is Lorelei being dragged out of the Jeep to meet all of her fans. Me thinks that might be a little fear on her face now. It totally does. Um, Photo four is the Melee on the field. Melee. Do you say Melee or Melee?
3: Melee, you moron. Yeah,
1: Melee. There's some people that say Melee. So. Uh, the you photo for is the mouth
3: me- mumbling, moron.
1: It's melee. <laughs> That's a Steve Austin thing. Mealy. Uh, the photo is the melee on the field. Notice in Andy Fran usher running out of the field, off the field with third base in his hand. These idiots were taking everything they could off the field. Saw one guy about 30 minutes into the scrum, walking around, wearing a large piece of sod over his head, like some sort of gladiatorial armor. Yeah. And they uh, talk
3: about the Capitol riots. These people were nuts.
1: Photo five is the wonderful Chicago police coming to calm things down about a half hour into this bullshit. Photo six is owner of bill Vec looking like what the fuck just happened. A point to be made. Bill was known for his stunts to draw people to the park and he got reamed about this one, but it was his son who planned the organization or planned and organized this. And unfortunately the media tried to make him the bad guy in all this, not this time. Another point Scott made was that there were no cell phones back though. And so parents did not know what was happening to their kids and who went to the park that night. I didn't get home until three hours after this ended. It was such a mess getting out of the area. My parents were livid, but there was nothing they could do. So that was from Greg. I thought that was pretty cool thing. I love those pictures and being, you know, it's a Chicago thing. Disco demolition was huge. Uh, from Marty, no row. I'm a bit older than you two. Norm Saunders was an illustrator. I simply love this is because we had no idea who Norm Saunders was at first, and then we figured it out. Uh, my father was a pulp collector, so these illustrations are very much a part of my childhood, but it was the Batman 1966 gum cards that really drew my attention as a youngster. Here are a few examples. And as I said, I wish some sculptor would do Norm Saunders version of the Catwoman. So Did we do have some more. Batman. Sounds. Did I say Batman? Batman. Yes. Do you want me to read it again? Please know every time you point stuff out like that, I'm Batman. I'm going to read it again. Fuck me. (laughs) And that is episode 27. Scott, anything you want to add?
2: No. Yes. No.
3: Yes. Don't forget your favorite cartoon character. If you want to win the little slag brothers resin printed, I'll send those out to you. Cool. All right, everybody have a great couple of weeks. We'll see you soon.
2: Bye.